to another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 186. Hooray! Hooray! I I forgot what number we're on there. And just before <laughs> that, I asked you what number we're yeah, on. Yeah, we literally just talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, how, how have you been, Kieran? I have been good. How are you, mate? You feeling better? Yes, yes. I had a, a, a touch of man flu um, last week. The uh, game came out. I mean, sorry, uh, what, what <laughs> <stuff> were you? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I, I had had a little bit of man flu and the sinuses were all over the place and my head was turned to jelly. So no more than usual, to be fair, but I thought, I'll bugger it, I'm not going to podcast. But uh, oh, we're back, back this week and uh, we've uh, I've tagged out with Paul. <laughs> as it turns out I've never seen you two in the same place at the same time so ah well I was assuming yeah. you're just the same person yes yeah yeah uh, Paul has a mic suit that he puts on oh, and he just cl- climbs into it and he does my voice and everything well that's an image that'll be in my head for a while <laughs> yep uh, I think uh, maybe we should uh, change the subject rather quickly to kind of help you get over it then. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> talk about some uh, some video games and board games and stuff. So I I was I've not been too busy on the video game side, but you have. Uh, there's been a whole load of stuff coming out. So I uh, you have played something that I've played a hell of a lot of, which is a uh, you bought an expansion for Forza Horizon Three. Yes, I picked up the Hot Wheels expansion. Uh, I only picked up the Hot Wheels expansion as well. I didn't buy the season pass or anything. I oh right, okay. Just picked up the Hot Wheels expansion because <laughs> that was the one I wanted. I sure I'll right. eventually pick up the Blizzard one, but like I, right now I just kind of want wanted the Hot Wheels stuff. Right. Um. Yeah. So like I installed, I reinstalled uh, Forza Horizon Three on my PC. Because I had thought that cloud saves on Xbox were a thing that's locked behind Xbox Live Gold, but as it turns right. out, it's not. So last time I installed Force Horizon 3 on my PC, it had loaded an old save, and I was like, oh, well, that must just be because I don't have Xbox Live anymore. So I'm not going to bother playing this on here because my new save, my newer save is on the Xbox One. I don't want to redo a bunch of shit. Right, and then it turns out I actually just hadn't synced, so I just had to build up the Xbox One again. It fired my save up, and then I got to <laughs> PC. Uh, so I was playing on PC with all the graphics settings, you know, cranked up to full and the frame rate all the way up, and it's, oh, it's a real pretty looking game. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I'll just pick up this expansion as well, because why not? Mike keeps going on about it. It must be pretty decent, uh-huh. and it is. I am really enjoying it so far. It definitely has a lot of that kind of has a lot of Trackmania in it. It's not quite as crazy as Trackmania, but you know, it's definitely that similar kind of style in a lot of ways. You know, where it's all super fast, crazy turns and loop the loops and stuff. Yeah. You know, the track will just sometimes you know go completely vertical, and you'll be like, "Yep, that's that's fair." I'm driving across the wall now because, of course, I am. Yes. Uh, it adds a quite a nice sense of kind of craziness to Forza Horizon 3, which, you know, it's a, quite an arcadey game already, but it's still very grounded in reality. Like, all the races, even though they have their kind of silly over-the-top ones, the way they make them silly and over-the-top are usually just, you know, you're racing against a helicopter or a plane or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
they're never usually like, oh, well, you're doing look to lips now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or... Um, also, I like the way that they've kind of split up all the challenges in it, which is basically the same way the main game is, but they're kind of more self-contained. Yes, yeah. So it, it tends to be if you go to a certain... stick to a certain corner of the map, uh, it's, you know, certain kind of races and kind of, you know, what time trials or what it what the challenges is you're going to have to be doing are in that, that corner of the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they all unlock in, like, tiers, so it'll be like, yes. oh, well, you've got enough medals, which is another thing they kind of introduce, because obviously in the main game you get fans. Fans, yeah. And fans are used to unlock, uh, or to upgrade and unlock uh, different festivals, which then unlocks more stuff around them. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is just, you get medals, and the the three usually it's three medals sometimes only two but the three medals are usually just you know finish a race win a race win a race and do it really fast or win a race and drift a bunch and that's kind of it usually um, uh-huh. but some of them differentiate it a bit and then the more medals you get it unlocks more stuff and it's just a it's a nice little progression that's you know a bit different from the base game it's not like super unique in any way but it's still just a bit of a you know breath of fresh air yeah um, yeah and I really like the races because a lot of them are just like here's, you know, a standard race but on a big crazy track. But then they've got a lot more. Well, not a lot more. There's a lot in the base game, but uh, more interesting to me at least. Uh, bucket list challenges. Yep. Where a lot of those are just like, oh, you've got you know a minute to drive over here, and it just puts a waypoint over there, and you're like, all right, I'll drive over there, and it turns out to be like. You know the underside of a massive, you know, upside down section of track or something like that, <laughs> and all the time like fucking the music from uh, two thousand one, a space odyssey is playing, and you're like, what, what? <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's another thing I noticed as well. It seems to use music more. Maybe it's just because I've not played a massive amount of the base game, but the ba- base game seems to be focused more around all the music's come from the radio stations. You decide what you're doing, but. The Hot Wheels stuff, uh, not all the races, but I've definitely had you know two or three of the races that have played specific music. It'll be like, this is the music that is playing for this race. Enjoy. Um, like that 2001 Space Odyssey stuff. Like that plays at the start of... I forget the name of the actual song. But that, that's, that plays at the start of uh, one of the races. It's weird, but it's yeah. cool. So yeah, I have yeah. really uh, yeah, it is really good. Yeah. Um, I recommend if people play Forza. Yes. yes. The one thing I didn't like about it, though, was that I booted up Forza Horizon 3, and one of the first things I got was a fucking advert for Forza 7. Where it's like, oh, oh man, if you pre-order Forza 7 now, you'll get these bonus cars, and this XP bonus, and this thing, and I'm like, I want to play Forza Horizon 3, man. If I wanted to play Forza 7, I would boot up Forza... You know, I'd pre-order Forza 7. Yeah, that's a bit... strange. Yeah, it's a real Microsoft thing to be putting adverts inside everything, though, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I've not seen that. See, it only happened the first time I booted up, and then it's not happened again since then, so I don't know what... Right. Yeah, that's... uh, It's bizarre, though. Yeah, I took a screenshot of it, I'll need to send it to you. It's just like a full page thing that loads up the moment you kind of should be going into the festival and choosing your car. 
And it's just like, oh, you could buy Force of Seven. It's coming out yeah. soon. Which, to be fair, I might buy Force of Seven. <laughs> Based on the old you know, Microsoft games are coming to PC. Yeah. That's... Yeah. yeah. Very strange, but anyway, uh, yeah, still an amazing game. How far are you with the uh, the main game? Uh, not super far. I don't really remember, though, because I did just jump into the uh, the Hot Wheels stuff and then kind of <laughs> forgot entirely <laughs> about the base game. Uh, right. I will be going back to it, though, and now that I've got it running well on my PC, I'm probably going to stick with it for quite a bit. Right. Yeah, because the main reason I didn't play it was just that it was on Xbox One, and... I was never turning my Xbox One on. My Xbox One is actually unplugged just now. I unplugged it so that I could plug my Wii U back in. That's where my Xbox One got to. Right. Because <laughs> it had Forza Horizon 3 on it, the Halo games, and... Uh, oh, fuck, oh, I forgot the name of it. Sunset Overdrive. Which, to be fair, Sunset Overdrive, fantastic game. Those Halo games, fantastic games. Forza yep. Horizon 3 amazing game but if i could play forza horizon 3 on my pc and just plug the xbox one in in the rare occasions i want to play more sunset overdrive or halo then that's probably what i'm going to do yeah no that makes sense there's just not a lot of stuff not a lot of exclusives on that system at the moment Uh uh-huh and the only thing coming out for it this year is forza 7 uh yeah, I think oh, you're right. Actually, I think Sea of Thieves is meant to be this year as well. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Crackdown 3 just got delayed, so... Yeah, but uh, Sea of Thieves, that's... You know, the, the thing is, it looks like a good multiplayer game. Yeah. And that's going to be the problem, the fact that it's on the Xbox One and it's a multiplayer game. Yeah. That's why I'll get it on PC. <laughs> yeah, 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 makes sense. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because that's the thing. I don't have Xbox Live Gold, and I don't really intend on getting it because I don't play that stuff. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because I would play things like Gears of War, four, you know, online horde mode and stuff. But I don't have many people that are playing on Xbox anymore. Everyone kind of moved to PS4 or yeah. PC. Yeah. Uh, and most of the people that I know that switch to PC switch more less to PC and more to Steam. They moved to Steam or League of Legends, and that's kind of it. And yeah, so there's not a lot of people that are playing things like Gears that are in my friends list at the moment. Yeah. Which is a bit of a bummer, but whatever. There's plenty of Horde mode stuff <laughs> out there. Um, You've been playing some Hellblade, which I've also played. I finished, in fact. Uh, but I'd be interested in hearing how much of it you've been playing so far. Yes, yes. So I... I picked up Hellblade and started it off and the first thing that comes up is it tells you that it's best with you know the the, the headphones you need to play it with the headphones and I thought right okay that's fair enough I will just play a little bit of it um because Anne was sitting in the lounge with me we just finished uh, watching something on Netflix and I'd bought it day that it came out so i put it on and uh, it starts up the game looks absolutely amazing even on ps4 and it's very atmospheric even with the you know just the sound coming through your your, your tv speakers mm-hmm. and sounds really good and that was it and was hooked 
she's quite intrigued by this and you know I, i'd explained the the premise and the story and that the main character is you know they're, they're mentally unwell that they've got psychosis or something not right with them um and so she was a bit intrigued by that and then she went away and i thought okay right i can put my headphones in and play a bit mm-hmm. and <laughs> uh she came back <laughs> <laughs> and and really liked the the puzzle solving so the the way that i played the game i started off and uh, you get to the path where you have to choose one of the doors so you go through either the fire door or the 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 red door yeah i, I forget the god's names uh yes yeah, i don't remember names but one of them's the fire god and others like the illusions god yeah god of illusion yeah so i went through the fire god door and uh if you have it's not really a spoiler to, to tell you the type of puzzles but you there's a lot of uh, visual puzzles um you maybe you get to a door and you need to look for sim- the symbols there's runic symbols in the door mm. and then you need to find these symbols in real life they may be it may be two branches of a tree that are you know the way that they're they're crossing when you look at them forms a symbol or the way that sunlight hits objects and the shadow creates a symbol that you're looking for so that's the kind of thing that you're looking for and we got to one of them and we got stuck and normally what you would do when you're playing a game like this is you would say right switch it off i'll come back tomorrow but when there's two of you doing it and and Anne got really caught up. You're not looking right. It's over here. It must be over here. And we got we got preoccupied with one of the red herrings. Uh, so it did its job very very yeah. well. Um, <laughs> so what was the puzzle that you can that you got stuck on? Because you took the fire god first, right? I did. Yes. Was the puzzle you got stuck on the one that was on the ground? No. No. Okay. Because I speak, I spoke to like two or three people that played that game, and all all of us got stuck on that one. I found that one pretty easy because I thought I can't see it anywhere else, and you get the vision, the the hint, yeah. you know, because you see the symbols flying about, so you know you're close. And I thought, well, the only place I haven't been is up mm-hmm. on top. So I was you up know- there, but I was looking around thinking, because there's like a wrecked building in front of that, and I was like, okay, it must be something I can angle. At this wrecked building that will make the right. thing, and then it's no, there's like a fucking burnout <laughs> of it on the ground, which is the yeah. first and only point in that entire game that it uses that puzzle. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it! Well, the one I got stuck was was uh, the one after that, and it involves where you go through to the next section and you climb up to a top of a tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got slightly stuck on that one for a little bit as well. Yeah, I remember that I, one as well. So. You, the, the thing that you're looking for is on the right-hand side. See, on the left-hand side, there's a red herring because mm-hmm. there's a flag that's that's blowing in the wind. Yeah, and also like you're on a you're on this tower that has like a little bit of a railing on it, and yes. the railing has fallen over on the bit that leads to that looks towards that flag. So you're like, okay, this is all setting up that this is the way to go. Yes, uh, and it's not. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> It got to the point where Anne was in front of the television. She was standing right in front of the television, right in my line of view, going, look, it's there. I'm telling you it's there. (laughs) I would believe you if you would get out of the way. (laughs) But it was nice to see a game do that. 
Yeah. You know, it, it just pulled everyone that was watching it into the, the solving the puzzle. And I thought that was great. But in terms of what I think of the game and how I'm feeling, it is a one hell of an experience. I do I do like it. The so the the whole story and the idea that you've you're controlling this person and they are they're you know something's wrong with them as well yeah but the way that it's taken is that you know she's battling the old gods and she can hear the old gods she can hear um people that have died and they're talking to her Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes you think when you know you start looking at uh mythology whether it be a celtic mythology nor norse mythology these people weren't gifted they were obviously mentally unstable yeah you know it i I do like the that kind of thinking onto it um the as well as very well thought out the way that it handles this person you know so everything that's happening to her and it's i i can't wait to get to the end and find out just what's what what happens Mm -hmm. um it's very very well done the puzzles are excellent. The combat, I really like the combat. What did you think of the combat? I like it. So my the combat kind of falls into the same issue, I guess, with me with that I had with the full game, where I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, for reference, I like I finished it over the weekend there, um, and I really enjoyed it and really liked the combat, really liked the puzzles, stuff like that. But all of it feels very samey from start to finish that'd be my major issue with it is they do a good job with setting up these different scenarios and different like each area that you go through is basically hard dealing with or trying to battle against another you know part of her mind and part of you know another thing that has happened to her that is you know destroying her basically yeah like the fire god stuff is because you know the all the vikings came and burned down her village the illusion stuff is because she went into the woods at one point to combat her illness and you know then go yeah. into some stuff about that and you know each section as you go forward is doing similar things and they set up these cool unique little scenarios to go through but also you're doing those same puzzles the whole time and they never really get any smarter like i think you've seen about as smart as they're gonna get after that it's all very much like well i know what this is going to be because i've done this one before yeah yeah Um, i know that it can be shadows and there's an unlit torch here so i should probably light the torch and it is very similar like that for the whole way through and then the combat's the same where i really liked the combat for the first you know two or three hours but it doesn't get much better like you get an extra ability when you fight one of the first gods Uh uh-huh and then that's the only extra ability you get throughout that game and your powers never progress really and it's a bit of a shame that it's not got more depth to it but i did also really enjoy what they did it feels like it feels like this weird kind of blend between the usual kind of action games and almost like the kind of you know walking simulator style you know storytelling that has been really popular recently yeah and 
I think it's a really good blend of those things. So, like, individually, though, I don't think a lot of those components hold up for a full game. Like, I think those puzzles are really cool, but they don't go anywhere. Right. Um, I feel like the combat's really cool, but again, there's no depth to it. And so, once you've done it a bunch, it's like, okay, well, that's, I'm doing these cool... It, it becomes the equivalent of, like, the Batman combat, where it looks cool and flashy, but you've done it so many times, there's no actual threat. The way that it tries <laughs> to introduce some kind of threat later on is just that there's more enemies. Yeah, I think... I, I think I get what you're saying. I just finished uh, a combat there and I was going through and I think it was the, they threw six enemies at me mm-hmm. and they got a couple of lucky hits in, but I did well. I was used to the combat by then and I beat them all and I felt good. I thought, yeah, that's good. But from what I've seen before, I can I expect that the next combat is going to be either the exact same amount of enemies or they'll chuck another extra one in yeah. or they might do the they've done it once before where they play a trick of the mind with you on top of what you're doing yeah so uh, there's a little bit of that here and there yeah um i i will say i do like the i like how you can use the focus button during the combat as well mm-hmm yeah, that's that's cool. Like that, that's quite neat. And yeah, that becomes essential for de- defeating some enemies later on. Like it's right something that is built into the combat to the point of when you because it's basically a charge that you have that you have yes to wait. it has a cooldown, and there there are enemies that require it to be defeated, and so as a result, when you don't have it, it feels a lot scarier. Right. Um, and that's also that's just one of the things I really like about the game in general is like the whole atmosphere is very creepy at least maybe not scary but like it's it is essentially in a lot of ways a horror game not, yes not like mechanically but atmospherically it's yeah it's definitely like a dark kind of horror game and the way it handles all of the the audio is really good and I do actually think it's a lot better with headphones yes um, because you get that kind of um, that 3D audio effect where you know, the idea is she has like, you know, five or six different voices in her head that are constantly chattering away and it is constant and they use this kind of 3D audio effect to make it sound like they are coming from, you know, just random directions at all times and it's really well done uh, and they use that well in the combat as well because they, they do this thing where there's a really, the camera's really zoomed in at all times especially during combat and as a result, uh, they, yeah. you can only ever really see like one or two enemies at a time. And yes. the enemies will constantly try and get around behind you to catch yeah. you off guard. And the voices but, in your head will tell you. Yes, they'll exactly. Warn you. Um, but also sometimes they'll lie. I don't know if that's intentional or like a bug or something. I want to believe it's intentional because it's kind of a nice effect. But sometimes, yes. sometimes they'll be like, oh, they've got behind you, you're going to die. And you'll turn around, there's no one there. But you've also just turned your back on the enemy that you were fighting <laughs> because you thought there was some behind you. I I think that's intentional, though, because sometimes with the voices, when you go up to a door and you're going to activate the puzzle, one of the voices say, oh, there's another door. He, yeah. he, he, you know what to do here. Go and do it. And the other voice is whispering, and it's quite sinister. It's a very low whisper, and it's, don't do it. You know this is wrong. You're going to die. Don't listen to them. Listen to me. Yeah. And that I picked that up. It was just just before we started recording, and I thought that is 
it's haunting and it's just it's really well done <laughs> they do a good job of that stuff there's also a lot of the further you progress into that game the more the voices will well for the most Fuck part with you yeah and they'll like to be going around and you know collecting all the runes that you need to open the door and the voices just be like oh, collecting more useless runes you know you don't need these right and you're like i, I need them to open the door what are you talking about yeah do i need them <laughs> Um, and I, it's, it's a nice effect. I really like it. Um, yeah. So let's talk. There's something else that um, some of the mainstream media, oh, not mainstream, mainstream games media rather, <laughs> have spoke about that the game does, and it's this permadeath system. Yes. Which so I never really encountered. Yeah. So the game uh, at one point when you quite early on in the game you come up against a, a beastie and you die or you you think you're going to die mm-hmm. and what happens is Senua collapses to the ground and she ends up with this black stuff on her hand and the game then tells you that it essentially shows you this is like a death meter and what happens is should the blackness ever stretch up and reach her head then it's game over. It's proper old school game over. The game finishes. That's it. You're done, and you need to start again from the beginning. Yeah, it's like proper like, what was it Chrome Hounds? That did that thing where it deleted your save after you died. It's that kind yes. of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a cool idea. Now, uh, the early the the first time, well, the the fire boss. Mm-hmm. I, I died a good number of times and there was something else I was doing that was stupid and it was getting used to the combat and I died a good number of times. I don't think that there actually is a permadeath. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I died a few times and the darkness kind of got up to kind of her upper shoulder. Oh, really? By, oh, by the end of the it, game. Um, oh, it got that far. I've yeah. gotten, I want to say, just below the elbow. So there's points in the story that also progress the, the darkness. Right. And also, I think it's smarter than just if you die X number of times, then you die permanently. Uh-huh. I think it's more of a case of, oh, it can tell that you've died you know, this number of times at this checkpoint, so it stops increasing the darkness at that point. Right. Um, I don't think it's being as severe as, oh, you got stuck in one area and now you have to start the entire game again. I think it's, you got stuck in this area, so it's t- it has built up the darkness a bit, but it's not going to increase anymore until you get past it. Right. Um, that's the impression I get, at least. I don't actually know for sure if that's true, because uh, I didn't really fully test it. I know there's definitely been people arguing both ways. Yeah, um, yeah. It wouldn't shock me if it just isn't in there and it's just a, you know, tricking your mind kind of thing because that would definitely fit with the tone and feel and theme of the game yeah um, um i i think I, the the one way that i'm thinking at the moment is that there is no permadeath because they want to give you a little bit of the taste of what what's wrong with senua yeah they want to give you this paranoia and this fear of, oh no i better not mess this up yeah, um, and that's what I'm 
thinking at the moment and it's just it is enhancing my enjoyment of the game so far so i obviously i've still got a a, a little bit a, you know a few a ways to go before i'm finished it so but i'm really enjoying it and i think yeah, I I don't know if I'm going to be have the same opinion of you, but you know where it's it's the same thing. I'm hoping that the the overall experience is going to outweigh that. Uh, well, it does for me. Like I overall think that the game is great. I really like it overall. Um, it was like it did get a bit samey by then, but I don't think that's a major detriment to it. Like I think it's still a fantastic game in its own right. Um, it does some really smart things that you know not many games do. Uh-huh. You know? And, you know, we're still at a point in gaming where mental illness is kind of just treated as a thing that's like, yeah, well, you know, that person's crazy, so, you know, they've got, they talk to themselves all the time and they murder loads of people and stuff. And it's like, uh, there's a bit more to it than that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and we're also at a point just in media in general where it's like, this female character's crazy because she got raped is usually the reason in every single bit of media and tv and <laughs> yeah. video games and everything and i'm glad that they do something different with it like m- minor spoilers but that is never a plot point i guess yeah yeah um yeah i do like the character of senior she's had this weird shit that you're still not 100 percent sure at this point what what has happened you know that she's yeah obviously away from her land her people are gone uh, somebody that she'd met and became close with has been murdered was she there you don't you don't know exactly mm-hmm. uh, and but she is still she's a very cool character she's determined to get through by hook or by crook get through the situation that she's in um, and it, it drives that story along very well I think yeah. By the end of the game, they do clarify all that stuff. They don't really leave a lot of questions hanging, Good. except for the actual ending. Um, right. Which kind of... I'm not going to spoil the ending in any way, but it does... It leaves some things hanging. Um, in, a, in an I... alright way. I wasn't super impressed by the ending, but I think it's one of those games that the whole journey there was great, so I don't really care too much. Um, yeah, I think maybe a bit like um, Her Story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the the ending we caught to in her story is fine, but the getting there was the really fun thing. Yes, um, yeah, that's a good comparison actually. Um, and also, I would listen to like an entire podcast series of uh, that guy that reads out all of the lore stones, just reading out Viking stories. Yeah, like, I, I I could listen to that for days. I thought at one min- at one point i thought that was uh the onion knight from game of thrones but i'm not <laughs> i'm not too sure who I does that think it is. It's, uh, oh, i can't remember i looked him up he's been oh, in right. a bunch of stuff he was the main character in dragon age 2 i'm pretty sure oh like okay one. um he's how is he he's irish yeah um, oh definitely well i don't know his accent kind of goes all over the place in there but i think that's intentional as well I think yes. he's supposed to be Celtic, you know, generically Celtic, and as a result, his uh, accent kind of, you know, varies between Irish and Scottish and the bit of kind of Northern English and stuff. Where it's just right. Like, I think it's. I think that's somewhat intentional. Um, uh, yeah. What What was that character's name? Uh, it's. Oh, I 
Is it? It's not Druth. It is Druth, yeah. Oh, it's Druth. So I'm just like, yeah, the yeah, the guy did the voice of Hawk in Dragon Age yeah. Two. Um, yeah, cause I, I keep getting his name confused as well with the other guy because the her love interest is uh, Dillian. Yes. And I'm a dumb person, so you know. Having two yeah. names that start with D just confuses me. <laughs> so, yeah, that guy also did the voice for uh, Reyes Vidal in Mass Effect Andromeda, and he was also the voice in uh, Neo. Mm-hmm. Or Nile, or however you want to say it. Yeah. Uh, also the voice in Steep. <laughs> and he was a voice in Battlefield 1. Nice. Yeah, he's yes. definitely a prolific voice actor. Yes, yeah. So, cool. But, yep, yeah, Hellblade definitely recommended if you haven't checked it out yet yeah i think it's worth looking at i would you know it launched at a relatively cheap price as well so i'd probably say like you know if you're worried about getting your full worth of you're worried about it being a bit same or stuff like that wait for it go on sale but it is already really cheap so yeah, yeah i i thought 25 25 quid for the game is i'm not from what i've played so far and what i've got out of it i'm not mad at that price yeah I mean, honestly, it's worth it for that just to look at the visuals and be like, oh, this is really yeah. Um I got it on PC, and the PC version has some performance issues in a couple of places. Oh, okay. Um, like, for the most part, it's really, you know, well-optimized and runs super well and looks really pretty. But then there's a couple of places. One of them, uh, like, right at the start, you have three doors, and you need to open two of them to open the third door. You have to go fight the two gods on the other side, so the fire god and the illusion god. The area that's shortly after you get through that third door runs like complete garbage on PC. And from I've looked at a bunch online, so I was like, why is my frame rate just went from 60 to, you know, 20? And online everyone's like, yeah, it's fucked. So <laughs> that's unfortunate. I think apparently it runs fine on consoles, so hopefully they fix it. But, right um and then also there's another area later on that's you know similar but then for the most part the game runs really well and i played through it i was fine like i it wasn't it didn't get in the way of the gameplay the bits where the the frame rate falls were never combat sequences for me right they were, they were always you know the wandering around hearing story and you know collecting runes so it didn't really matter that the frame rate wasn't great it wasn't ideal but you know you can live with it. Yeah. You didn't need, you know, pinpoint precision actions or anything. No, no. You're staring at things. <laughs> cool. Uh, moving on, you have played some StarCraft. I did. I went back to... Wait, which StarCraft? <laughs> well, you played You played a couple, so I thought I'd leave it open-ended. All right, fair enough. I was about like, to jump like through both of them. I was about to jump into StarCraft 2 mainly because I played more of that. Right, um, okay. So, yeah, StarCraft Remastered came out this week uh, on Tuesday. And I played a bit of it, but not much of it. I pre-ordered it mainly because I was playing so much StarCraft 2. But StarCraft Remastered is a... It's it's weird. A few months ago, Blizzard gave away StarCraft 1 and StarCraft Brood War, which is the expansion for StarCraft 1, for free. Like you can just go right. on, you can go on the Blizzard website right now and download those games. Like they are completely free. All you need, wow. pl- All you need is a Battle.net account, and that's it. But also, they're really old, so those games run at a four x three resolutions. They don't scale up to 1080p. Um, 
they look really blurry and bad because well not bad but they look real blurry and old because they're old games and this HD remaster they have released uh, just replaces all of the graphics on it like all of the sprites are redone uh, all of the the textures are done all like just all the maps and stuff have all been redone but also they've done the kind the same way as something like um like your comparison would probably be like the the halo master chief collection right you know where they did that thing where you could hit the button and it would just switch between the old graphics and the new graphics uh-huh so they do that for this which is kind of a nice way to show like how faithful they have been and how it is literally just like a rendering layer on top of the original game. So it is still just old StarCraft. Which is cool. But also old StarCraft has, is pretty dated at this point in a lot of ways. Um, in ways that will... You know, I think the pro scene are going to love this remaster. Because it doesn't add anything that changes the way the game plays. It just changes the way it looks. But I think coming at it from you know someone that's just that's obviously not a pro starcraft player it's uh-huh. it's a good way to play through that campaign again and i probably won't play any of the multiplayer except against you know friends because right. it's it's just little things like uh starcraft 2 added a lot of things that made it into modern rts and th- things you would expect from a modern RTS, like I don't remember, I don't know, like you played some of those older RTS, not specifically StarCraft, but yes, you, you played like early Command and Conquer and stuff, right? Yep, sure. So it's things like when you make a command group, and you're like, okay, well, I've assigned all of these dudes to, you know, group one. Whenever I hit one, I control these dudes. That's cool. But in old games, there was a limitation to how many of those you could put in because of you know, memory limitations and stuff. Yes. And so, as a result, you can add, uh, I think it's 12 people, or 12 units, to a command group. Oh, okay. And it's like, oh, well, in StarCraft 2, I just add like my whole army to a command group and then split them into smaller command groups based on what they did so I can switch between them and you know cast spells and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. The main group for moving around is you know just one button and starcraft you can't do that you know it's they didn't add that into this remaster it is just the base game you can move them around in groups of 12 so you're constantly switching between them uh there's things like in starcraft 2 you can add uh buildings to command groups as well and in the original starcraft you could i think you could add one building but you couldn't make like a group that was here is all of my barracks so when you want to make more units, you have to go back to your base and do it. You know, just move the camera over there, which isn't a major thing, but when you are playing a game as fast as StarCraft, it's easy to get used to going, well, if I press five, I have all of my barracks there, so I can just hit five and then mash, you know, S. Well, S isn't actually anything, but you know, you can mash whatever button is that pumps out your units and that will start pumping out units. Yeah. So you don't have to go back to base every time. You can still pay attention to moving your units around and doing things. And it's weird. It's a bunch of little things like that that uh, it make it a bit hard to go back to. Not impossible. It's still like a really great game. StarCraft 1 and Brood War in particular still have like two of the best campaigns in a RTS probably ever. And they're definitely worth playing. 
But I think the thing I'm looking forward to most out of this remaster is actually just seeing pro players play it again. Like, right. Because StarCraft as like a competitive esport has been in a really weird place over recent years. Because when StarCraft 2 came out, it was massive. Like it was huge and basically created esports as we know it today. Uh-huh. And then it kind of started dropping off. Things like League of Legends became the biggest thing ever. Dota became pretty big. And StarCraft Brood War started becoming big again. And like A right. lot of pro players stopped playing StarCraft 2 and started going back to StarCraft 1. And so I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of those players hopefully play StarCraft 1 but pray because it makes it a lot nicer to watch if nothing else. Right. Um, which is a weird thing, but it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good remaster and it's like 12 quid. It's worth picking up if you ever intend on... Like, if you ever want to play through the campaigns of the original StarCraft games, which if you haven't done before, I recommend doing because they are very good, then you can download them for free from Blizzard's website and you can pay 12 quid more to make them pretty. And having them in HD resolutions and having this nice graphical upgrade, because it is a really nice graphical upgrade, um, I think definitely helps and definitely does bring it towards being more playable. Right. Um, and it adds some little things, like you can zoom in now, which you couldn't do before because it was a sprite-based game. It's still a sprite-based game, but it was you know, relatively low-resolution sprites, so you could never zoom in the camera because there was nothing to zoom into because they were just pixels. <laughs> um now that the art is all HD and pretty, you can zoom in on stuff, and that's neat. Not super essential, but neat. Uh-huh. Um, so just a couple of nice little things like that. But it's not... Don't go in expecting it to be a completely modern version of StarCraft 1. It's just a right. prettier version of StarCraft 1. Right. Um, but yeah, the main reason I actually bought it was not to play through StarCraft 1 again, although I am going to do that. It was because I was playing a lot of StarCraft 2's co-op mode, which they added in a few patches ago, I think. I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the podcast when it first came out, and like that was a long time ago, but I right, never actually yeah. played any of it, or I might have played like a mission or two. But StarCraft 2's co-op mode is this kind of cool multiplayer thing where it's basically like the campaign missions they made for 2, a couple of them are directly taken from the campaign missions for two, but you're playing them two-player, and the AI is a bit more aggressive for a lot of it. So there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot more waves of enemies coming towards you, or enemies going around the map doing things. Most of the missions are kind of control point things, where it'll be like, oh, there's these six locks on the the map, and you need to go and claim all six of these locks. But if the enemies claim them, then this bar will start filling up. And if this bar gets all the way up, then, you know, it's going to be real bad for you and you'll lose. So it's this kind of, you know, tug of war kind of thing where you're trying to make sure the enemy doesn't get enough of them for the bar to fill up quickly. But also you're managing your resources as much as you can to be like, I've right. only got this number of units to fight with so I can't go and just attack every single one of the locks at once I'm going to have to be a bit more strategic about it Mm -hmm. and then the way that they kind of make it a bit more unique is that they bring in a lot of the uh, the upgrades and stuff like that that the single player campaign had 
so in the single player for each of the expansions for Starcraft 2 uh, you had some way of upgrading your army so uh, the Zerg were evolving their units and the Protoss were just building upgrades on their ship and giving support from there and the Terrans were like hiring new mercenaries and stuff like that and the way they've kind of brought this into co-op because obviously the main multiplayer never had that because it had to be you know fully super balanced and symmetrical at all times because well this is symmetrical because obviously there's three races but you know if two people are playing Protoss they have to have the same unit types and upgrades you know capabilities that they can get yeah but in the co-op that doesn't matter as much because you're playing against ai so no one gives a shit so the way they've handled this is there's i think eight different commanders that you can pick from and each of these commanders levels up as you play them and as they level up they unlock new stuff so they start with a subset of the units from the game rather than right you don't just pick Protoss and use all of the Protoss units. You pick a Protoss commander, and of the you know three or four Protoss commanders, you pick the one that has the units you want. So if you prefer building lots of uh, like mech units, like you know big, um, they were like called immortals that were basically units that had near invincible shields around them, and Colossus, which are basically just the big mech things from War of the Worlds. <laughs> they literally just made tripods and put them in there and were like, yeah, this is a unit. We made this. We're Blizzard. We're really unique. <laughs> uh, you may have heard of Warcraft. <laughs> Completely unique. Um, but they they all play really differently as a result. So you, you pick a unit, a commander that has that stuff or you pick one that's more air-focused or one that has a bunch of you know soldiers and stuff and that's how you're going to play for you know the match you're playing and as they level up they get different stuff that kind of continues to elaborate on those kind of core concepts right so um i think i talked about it a little bit i talked about this a little bit last week but basically like, the one i've been playing as most is a uh, protoss uh, dark templar who they're basically the big protoss are the big kind of sci-fi space elves basically and they have lightsabers which is why they're awesome they are the most iconic StarCraft race in my opinion because they're the ones that say you must construct additional pylons which is the StarCraft that everyone knows. Right, yeah. And therefore they're the best. But um, I've been playing as them and they have because they're focused around Dark Templars which are basically stealth uh, Protoss units all of their stuff is geared around stealth so they don't have any big mech units. They have a couple of air units but they're the smaller ones. And they have most of the ground units, but the main thing is you're trying to get towards building Dark Templars, which are these invisible melee units that go around and are very weak. Uh, like, they have not a lot of health, but they do a lot of damage. And, you know, the way this is balanced is they're invisible all the time. So if the enemy can't see you, then they can't kill you. So you want to try and use that to your advantage and sneak around and be stealthy. Yeah. And that's a way you could spec and build in a multiplayer game. But this way, this if you're playing as this character, that is how you are specking and building because it has been chosen for you. <laughs> like, that is what you have access to. Right. And then the upgrades that that, uh, that commander gets are things like um, she can automatically harvest gas. So, like most RTS, there's two or multiple resources you collect. There's two in StarCraft. There's minerals and there's gas. And invisible units need a lot of gas to build. 
that's the way they kind of uh you know they kind of stop you from just building tons of them and so one of the upgrades she gets is just that you don't need units to harvest gas like they just you build a building and then you just get gas and that's cool and it's a weird thing that you would never find the multiplayer because it would break it completely yeah um or later on some of her other other units get stealth abilities so some of the air units get cloaks and so you don't have to you can hide from enemy stuff more and this is a cool idea uh and part of the reason that i pre-ordered starcraft remastered was that when you pre-ordered you got access to uh stukov who was in the story mode of brood war uh he was like this big russian commander that came from earth all the way into the outer dominion where starcraft is set and was like yo in the first starcraft you guys fucked things up pretty bad so i'm going to come and fix it uh and then he dies and gets infested by the zerg and becomes like <laughs> a big villain well not even a big villain like basically just a slave to kerrigan and it's kind of funny he's a bit of a comic relief character by the end but as a result you play as this character who is part zerg part terran and all of his units are ones that are not even in the multiplayer they're all infested terran units they're basically zombies right so you're basically playing as like a zombie commander building zombies and the thing about zombies is they have a short lifespan <laughs> they just kind of decay over time so you build soldiers and then they if they're just standing around doing nothing which is you know how you would usually play something like starcraft you build units and your army will be sitting around for a little bit not doing much uh-huh then they'll just die they'll just waste away and die and you've wasted those resources um, but he also has a thing called a, a a beacon, which summons all of his units towards it. So basically, what I've been doing, and I don't know if it's the right way to play him, and I'm sure good players at StarCraft will criticize me for it, is I've just been building tons of guys, or like saving all my resources until I'm actually going to attack something, and then selecting all of my barracks, and holding down the button that spits out zombies and dropping one of those beacons somewhere and then you just get a wave of zombies just a horde of zombies running <laughs> towards one spot and it's really really bizarre and weird but it's really fun um so i pre-ordered mainly to play as him which you can buy him separately but he's like six quid on his own or something all right okay um so like this is the basically the, the sneaky slightly bad thing about this co-op stuff it was the way that blizzard stuck microtransactions in starcraft 2 uh because there's like i think there's eight maybe it's ten commanders uh but just under half of them are dlc right uh, and i think there is like a commander pack that you can buy that unlocks all of them uh but otherwise they're like you know between like three and five pounds each which is fine but i guess because you know it's one of those things where They've added so much to StarCraft 2 over the years, and the last expansion came out like a year and a, or two years ago. You know, so like, they need to be making money to continue to add things to this game. So, that's fine. And the stuff they're adding is good. So, I don't know. StarCraft 2. It's really good. I've talked about it a bunch now. <laughs> um, good. Excellent. And I take it by this, and just by accident, in just for your opinion, we have saved your best video game till last. Uh, yeah, I'd say that. Um, the best video game of the year, yes. 
well, let's let everyone else. Right now, yeah. yeah, go on then. All right, Sonic Mania is Game of the Year 2017. That was really <laughs> easy. I thought Game of the Year usually takes hours. I, um, yeah, it's normally Paul. He throws a span in the box. <laughs> uh, Sonic Mania is the new Sonic game from not Sonic Team. Uh, I can't remember the names of the team that made it, actually. It's, uh, it's headed up by Christian Whitehead, who is the guy who ported Sonic CD to mobile and to PC. Right. Well, ported the upgraded version to PC. Like, Sonic CD came out on PC, you know, back when it first came out. Um, because no one owned a Sega CD. So, that was a bad way to release a game. It's, uh, but Sonic Mania is... I would say Sonic 4, but there was a, already a game called Sonic 4, and that's probably the only reason this isn't called Sonic 4. It's for every in every way it is a sequel to the Mega Drive Sonic games. It uses a similar style of sprites, it has a lot of similar levels, but with lots of twists in it, all the same mechanics with some new ones added. And right. It's just overall just a really, really cool game. Uh, it's one of those things where if you didn't already like Sonic, you know, it's not going to suddenly make you a Sonic fan. But Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but if you do like Sonic or have ever enjoyed any Sonic game, then this one is one of the best. Like, it is up there with Sonic 2 and Sonic 3. It's just a phenomenal game. Um, I've not finished the whole thing yet. Maybe it just completely shits itself towards the end, but I'm pretty far into it. And I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, but at its core, it's just a 2D platformer that is split into uh, a handful of levels that are split into two acts each. And a lot of these levels are levels from Sonic 2 and Sonic 3. Uh, I think there's at least one that's from Sonic 1 as well, but mostly Sonic 2 and 3. And then there's like two or three kind of new levels. Or at least so far, there's been two or three like completely new levels. Mm-hmm. And the way they do this is that they have these two acts and the first act is kind of an amalgamation of the act you know the two acts of that that level in the original game but still with some unique twists in it so it's still a new level but it's you know very heavily inspired by the original ones and then the second act is just their own weird bizarre thing that is completely unique and adds a bunch of mechanics that were never in those old games and are just really cool and weird so for example like the chemical plant zone is the second level and that was the second level in sonic 2 and the first section of that level is the same as it was in sonic 2 for all intents purposes there's some differences but it's basically the same level right okay and you get to the second part of it and they add all these different sections that you can inject goo into and it makes them bouncy and then they've got a bunch of platform sections built around that and that's just like a completely you know, different mechanic that wasn't in any of the previous games. Uh-huh. So they do all this stuff to make it feel really new and interesting. Uh, and then all of the boss fights are references to older Sonic games. Oh, okay. Not necessarily even... Most of the time it's the boss from... A twist on the boss from that level in the original game. Uh, although obviously a couple of them are you know new levels. So they've got new bosses. But... They're all very unique and weird, and I think, for the most part, those are all bosses that people would 
people who've played through a lot of Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 would will really appreciate the things they do with those bosses. They do a lot of things that reference and twist what you expect that boss to be doing. Right. And it's just a really smart thing. Um, and I think, I don't know, I really want to spoil one of those bosses, which is weird to be thinking about spoilers for a Sonic game of all games. But yeah. Like, but like these bosses are one of those things where you walk into them and you're like, oh, that's fucking cool. That's weird and surprising. So, you know, don't want to spoil them, but... I'm gonna, right, I'm with you. I'm going to spoil one of them, though. So if you, <laughs> right. if you don't want to be spoiled, jump ahead like a minute. Uh, but at the end of the chemical plant zone, you get to a boss fight, and it goes into the boss fight room, and the floor collapses underneath, and you fall down. And it is the boss fight room from chemical plant zone, too. And it falls down, and you land in this little pod... And Dr. Robotnik is in a little pod next to you. And then there's like two empty spaces like on the left and the right beside you. Uh-huh. And then these little blobs start falling down. And you start stacking them up. <laughs> and when you match four of them, they, they go away. And it <laughs> puts trash around. And it's like, oh, they took Puyo Puyo. Or there was obviously a Puyo Puyo game on Mega Drive called Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Yes. And they turned it into a boss fight. <laughs> and it's such that's... a fucking weird cool thing to put in there yeah no and that is cool that's like the main part of that game that I was like oh I okay this game's great <laughs> <laughs> um, and other boss fights do really cool things nothing quite as crazy as that but right. they do some interesting silly things that I really appreciate Um. so yeah it's really cool and then they've got you know bonus stages which are uh, new, but they're like heavily inspired by the ones from Sonic CD, which were this kind of low poly uh, 3D section that you were running around trying to catch a UFO, and they were kind of terrible in Sonic CD. Uh, so they've made the a bot a lot cooler, and now it's more of a race where you're still trying to catch a UFO, but you're on a a distinct path, like you're on a racetrack, and you're collecting orbs that make you go faster. So you're just trying to collect as many orbs as possible to go fast enough to catch this thing. And they're really fun as a result. Um, then, weirdly, they've also... So, Sonic games uh, in particular 3 had uh, two types of special stages. They had, you know, the main ones that you got Chaos Emeralds from that were hidden in the level. And then you had ones that were hidden in checkpoints. And when you have a certain number of rings, like stars will appear above the checkpoint, you jump into it and it takes you into a bonus stage. That gives you something else. In three, it gave you like uh, power ups. In this, it gives you little coins that unlock things uh, outside, like in the extras menu, which I've not uh -huh. actually done enough of them to unlock. But those bonus stages are just the blue sphere bonus stages from Sonic Three. Like they just made a crapload more of those levels, which is again a really weird thing to do. <laughs> They're just like, I don't know, let's make <laughs> fucking. It looks like there's a lot of those levels, so. It's just like, hey, let's make a bunch more of those levels because, hey, why not? Um, it's bizarre. But I am really enjoying it. Cool. Um, yeah, if you've ever liked Sonic, you will like this game. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's one that I definitely need to check out. Yeah, definitely. I picked up on Switch uh, and it, you know, it's a, it's a, 16-bit Mega Drive style game like it's right. it's so, doing some other things but it runs well because it's 
it's probably yes. So here's a question: How much is it on Switch as opposed to uh, Xbox or PlayStation? Is it the same price? Yeah, it's or... the same price on all of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not got the Switch tax that some games have. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there was like a pre-order discount. Cause I know PSN in particular usually does that, where it's like, hey, if you buy this before release and give us your money now instead of in a few weeks, then you'll get ten percent off. Um, yeah, I don't think there was. Yeah, but it's it's like I forget it's like thirteen pounds, fourteen pounds, something like that. Oh um, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 good. It's a cheap release. It's got what seems like a lot of content in it, and it basically just feels like they made a new Mega Drive Sonic game, which uh, there hasn't been one of those in a long time because there hasn't been a Mega Drive in a long time. Yes. And it's kind of insane that it took Sega this long to realize we should probably... There's probably money to be made there, right? People still like Sonic, despite all of our attempts. And maybe we should make a Sonic game. Hmm. It's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sonic Forces out in like a couple of months. And hopefully that's good. I don't know. I don't know how you can... I feel like that game's going to review worse than Sonic Mania, regardless of how good it is, just because how good Sonic Mania is. And Sonic right. Mania's going to remind people that Sonic can be, like, really great. Uh-huh. And so when Sonic Forces comes out, even if it's quite good, people are going to be like, ah, but Sonic Mania looks so good. You're not going <laughs> to... Yeah. Quite possible. It's bizarre. Um, also, there's, like, a weird bug on the the Switch version where it interferes with the, the OS level stuff. Right. Uh, so if you're playing Sonic Mania and you hit the home button on the Switch, it takes a few seconds. Right. Like, I'm going to hit it now. Oh, wait. Yep, there you go. That's it. Went to the home menu there. Wow. Like, it sits there for a second. I've never seen another game do that. Like, it's not exactly like an intensive game, <laughs> you know. Yeah, games that are like pushing the switch to its limits, you know, things like Zelda and Splatoon Two and stuff like that are, you know, not doing this. It's weird. It happens with the power button as well. Like you hit the power button, it takes a few seconds before your switch turns off, which is annoying when you're trying to turn your switch off and get off a tram. Yes. <laughs> um, it's not like a major thing. It doesn't seem to be actually damaging the console in any way or anything like right. that. Right. It's just a weird little annoyance that I'm surprised is there. Yeah. Um, it'll probably so get patched and fixed. You would imagine so, yeah. Yeah. From what I've heard, PS4 and Xbox One versions don't have any. Well, I think PS4 version doesn't have any issues. I heard the Xbox One has slowdown, which is weird. So that yeah. sounds like some kind of bug as well. Um, and then the PC version isn't out yet. The PC version got delayed a couple of weeks. Yeah. So that'll be coming out soonish. Um, but yeah, I people should buy Sonic Mania. It's really good. Send a message to Sega that lets them know that this is the kind of Sonic game we want. <laughs> we want good ones. And I'm yeah. a defender of a lot of those Sonic games. Like I really liked Sonic Colors. I thought Sonic Generations was pretty good. Yeah. What was it? Sonic Knights as well. Uh, or... There was Sonic. And the Black Knight on the Wii. That, that yeah, that good. was it. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, I didn't mind Sonic and the Secret Rings on the Wii at the time. I bet if I played it now, I'd realize it was fucking terrible. 
Right. But, you know, it's one of those games where the Wii had just came out and things were using motion controls in interesting ways, and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. You you turn it and Sonic turns, and you, you, know, you flick it and Sonic jumps, and it's like, that's pretty cool. I bet it's not. <laughs> I bet it's just, like, at the time, it was unique and interesting. Um, but, yeah, that's been the Sonic Hour. Cool. Excellent. Join us next week for the uh, Mario 15 Minutes. Man, you, you joke about that, but Mario Odyssey is not that far away. No, it's not. In fact, and Mario, I, Mario and Rabbids isn't that far away. I was going to say Mario <laughs> Rabbids is out sooner. Yeah, which Paul I think is pre-ordering or pre-ordered now. So yes, gonna have to. So we'll we'll make sure that um, Paul's on. Yeah, definitely. Um, should we talk about board games then? Yeah, let's do some board games. Good, because this is the exact opposite where. I've not played many of these, but you've played a crap load. Yeah, I did, yeah, so... And all of them are new for the podcast. They are, yes. So yeah. I did a board game day, and we did a couple of other things as well, and so I've got some games to talk from the board game day. There's some that we won't talk about because we've uh, witted on about them enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we... I One thing should maybe mention was you know that I don't like deck builders no this is <laughs> you don't no except so paperback. except for paperback and the predator legendary encounters predator yeah which is a weird one because it's there's a lot of those exact styles of well it, not really. The the legendary encounter system is different from the legendary system. Oh, is it? Okay. It is, yeah. It's slightly different. Um, the legendary encounters, both the alien and the predator one, has it builds up this tension. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot of theme in it as well, and the, the way that the cards are moving. So you've got these decks that you know you can buy from. And then you've got the the enemy cards, and the enemy cards you can't see them, and they face down and they move around the board. And once they get to a certain point, they will flip over, and the bad things will happen. But you can spend resources to flip them before that happens and deal with them before then. Okay. Yeah. So it, and thematically, depending on which game you're playing, it could be an alien or a predator. So it is different, and it's different enough. Okay, uh, that's cool. But yes, so oh, yes. We're, we're going the long way for a shortcut <laughs> here. So, one of the games that you and I played, and I don't think you were too enamored with it either, was Mystic Veil. Vale. Yeah, I thought it was a cool concept that didn't really wasn't used in any interesting ways. Yes, yeah. I am much rather looking forward to they're bringing out another game this week at Gen Con in the States uh, called Custom Heroes. And Custom Heroes is going to use the same card crafting system, except that it's a trick-taking game. Ah, that sounds a bit more interesting. Yeah, so the idea is you are, it's either superheroes or uh, fighters and they're fighting against each other so you play your card and it will trump I'll play my card, it trumps your card, and I get, you know, the bounty or whatever's in the yeah. middle. I can then take that prize and use it to augment my fighter. So I can I can slip 
you know, yeah. the prize into that card and I now have a stronger card. That's pretty cool. I've the card. Oh, uh, watch, the game comes out, it'll be nothing like that. No, it'll be heavy. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... That, that's the idea. So they're taking that and they're, they're using a trick-taking game rather than deck builder. Cool. So, looking people forward should, to that. People should make more plasticky, transparent cards. Don't yes. care what your game is. It could be Gloom, it could be Mystic Veil. Vale. Just do it. They look cool. They feel good. <laughs> so, I... A friend of the show and friend of the website, uh, Malcolm, uh, one of our friends. So, Malcolm, we normally catch up with Malcolm... In... Show friend of the website and one of our friends. Yes, <laughs> he's such Listen, a friendly guy. That Mark. It's it's late. <laughs> Give me a break. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's not wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I normally catch up with Malcolm in Essen. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking, and he had a game that he uh, wasn't. It wasn't getting to the table as much. Kind of the same idea, so we decided to do a swap. And I ended up with a, his copy of Tales of the Arabian Nights. Uh-huh. So, I, have you heard of this one? Do you know what it is? I've heard of it. It's uh, somewhat of a storytelling game, isn't it? It is, yes. That, yeah. That's exactly what it is. I've definitely so, heard of it before. Yeah. So, the game is... It's more of... It's one of these that's more on the casual side and it's more of an experience than anything else what storytelling games tend to be yeah uh, so the the idea is that you pick a character and you pick three traits there's various traits that are available um, there could be magic there could be wisdom there could be stealth and stealing kind of traits that you would find within useful if you were a pirate or you were somebody that you know whether you were alibaba or aladdin or you know the king of thieves yes yeah or some sultry princess (laughs) there there is this uh, this seduction skill so you pick three skills Mm -hmm. and there you go and to start you off you have a quest that happens to you and basically all the quest does is it will determine your starting position on the board. The board is a map of the ancient world. So you've got Arabia and then you've got the you've got Africa down below, you've got the Americas and it, so it's the map and it's just an old day map, an old yeah. time map. And you travel around going to all these places uh, depending on your quest card. So my quest card for example told me that I encountered a a pissed off genie he didn't like me and so he put me to sleep and i wake up and he's transported me somewhere so i had to i think i rolled the dice to figure out where it was that i land i landed and i ended up in this place and what happens is i need to get back mm-hmm. so that that i need to get back to baghdad so back, uh, Baghdad, uh, yeah, I think Baghdad's the, the center of the game. It's where everything starts and finishes. Okay. So that's fine. So what would happen on your turn is you would move to where you need to go. So in my case, I need to get back to Baghdad. Uh, there's various ways of moving. You can move across land. You can also move across sea. And there's a, a little bit of a complicated matrix as to how many moves you can make depending on how wealthy you are. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it, it's quite simple once you you know you, you explain it through yeah. once and then it's fine. But on your turn, what would happen is you move and you move your number of spaces that you want to, and you end up in a place. Then you have to take an encounter card, and there's various encounter cards. Uh, but your bog standard one, you'd turn it over and let's say it's got a it's got a beggar on it, and there is a number. So the game comes with two books. There's a huge storybook. It's like a telephone directory thick storybook. Okay. No one knows what telephone directories are, Mike. Twenty seventeen. <laughs> It's like uh, a Stephen King-sized... <laughs> like the person yeah. Stephen King, not like yes. any of his books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a book that's 15 Kindles thick. <laughs> yes, there you go. Everyone will get that now. Yeah, so you, you've got like this really... an iPad. <laughs> you've uh, got this thick storybook, and you've also got a four-page... Um, it's they call it a matrix. So what happens is you turn to the storybook, and first you have to find out what kind of beggar it is that you've you've encountered. Yeah. Now there would be a, a certain table. There's various tables. I think there is 130 tables, and each of these tables will give you. An adjective, up to seven or eight adjectives, uh, sometimes even more. But, you know, so you might run into a a rich beggar or a poorly beggar or a smelly beggar. They, you know, there's all sorts of adjectives. And so the, the matrix determines which kind of um, character you bump into. And also there are... Uh, Everyone has a player board, and each of the matrixes will tell you what you can, what your choices are. Mm -hmm. So there's arbitrary words written down there, and some of them may be you can eat, drink, bargain with, steal, sell, kill, attack. There's all these different commands, all these words, and they were grouped into these matrices. These matrices. <laughs> I'm going to go with matrices. Yeah, matrices. But yes. <laughs> so you depending on the matrix you you make a choice. So you can let's say you're going to steal from the beggar. Mm-hmm. So a valid choice. You you then roll a die to determine uh whether you get a plus or a minus. Basically every choice has three outcomes. Um, and the, the matrix will tell you you need to go to story number 515. But if you roll a dice and it's a, a regular D6 and it's got two blanks, uh, two plus symbols and two minus symbols. If you roll the blank, then, you know, it's as it stands, it's say 526. If you roll the plus symbol, it's 527. The minus symbol, 525. So the per the person to your left has your the book on your turn and tells you what the story is. The person to your right has the matrix. So between them, they tell you what uh, 
what you're facing, you then decide how you're going to deal with it. And they they they, they read this little passage, this little story that happens. And the, the story may be, you try and steal from the beggar, but he then turns around. At that point during the story, there may be, it may say, if you have a certain skill, read this part of the passage. If you don't, read another part of the passage. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's it. You get this little story read to you, you find out what happens, and there is, you get certain things. You may get story points or destiny points, and you may get an additional skill, or you may get a status. Something may happen to you. You may get hit on the head and now you're wounded, or you, uh, if you free a genie, you know, he gives you a blessing and you are now blessed mm-hmm. so that there could be a, a a boon or a or a curse or a hindrance and the story and destiny points that i was telling you are how you win the game at the beginning of the game um the game ends when you get 20 points and you decide whether they're all going to be they can be a mixture of story and destiny points so if you want them all to be story points then you say right i need 20 20 points of those and I win and what you do is you you draw little markers to show you how many of each you want they're hidden information only you know what they are um, but people can kind of see you know as your your story marker or your destiny marker is churning up and what it's quite difficult for you to go out and say well I want to get more story points you yeah. can try you can try and make decisions that will do that, but it's completely random. Yeah, the game is, the, yeah, the game is random. It is you bumbling around for ages. That is all you do in this game. You bumble around the map, and shit happens to you, and it is hilarious. It is absolutely brilliant. We played the game, and it was, I think, two hours. You can. The rules say you can. You can make it shorter, so you can say. Well, let's only play to ten points, or you know, twelve points, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's it is a hell of a lot of fun. There's no, there isn't, there's hardly any skill. Yeah, it sounds it. like it's less of a, you know, it's less of a you know, deep game and more of a yes. I don't know. Let's make a story, I guess. Yes, that's it. It's it's more for you know having fun and maybe getting then, people into bigger board games and things like that. And then half your story is well, I rolled a bunch of dice poorly, so I was <laughs> stuck in France for a month. And it's like, eh, yes, yeah. Fine, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. It's it, we when we were playing, and uh, there was one of the one of the guys that was playing with us, and he every time he bumped into somebody he tried to rob them <laughs> you, you know and at one point he tried to rob a prince so it comes up in the story what do you do he rolls the dice and he gets the the result and um it says you know he tries to rob the prince but as he you know as he's busy doing his, his robin thing the prince realizes what he's trying to do and runs away but you being crafty and canny shouts, stop, thief, thief. People get, grab the prince, they hold him down, 
and then you come along say thank god for that and you sell you sell the prince into <laughs> slavery <laughs> and you make it's, a you make a tidy profit from selling a prince dark, into slavery yeah <laughs> some of the, some of the stories are really really dark and so, it is it's just that's the subject matter yeah um it is just laugh out loud funny and you're having a really good time um so if you know somebody that has the game and they say i've got it you need to say to them let's play it once yeah um and i think you could play it a good number of times but it is it does take up quite a bit of time yeah i do think that maybe the shorter versions would be the way to play it but that's what that's what i thought i had i had a really good time i'm glad that i made the trade for the game i'm definitely going to bring it to a game day but it's bloody heavy it's big and heavy uh because of this thick yeah. 15 kindle thick book <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah I, I but i think what i would do is you know shorten the game yeah um and i think the only reason for that is because we have that many different games and it seems like a hell of a lot of time to put into just this this cool little storytelling game yeah when seems... we we have much better games if that makes any sense or very least much deeper games that will last that yes long. like yeah would you rather spend you know a couple hours playing this or a couple hours playing you know scythe scythe well, yeah yeah terror's a bit okay for scythe depending how many people are playing yeah <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah it's interesting i would definitely yeah. play that though i think we should get a game of that at some point yes definitely i think um I think Leanne would yeah, Leanne flip over really it. Likes, Leanne really likes uh, storytelling games. So yeah, yeah, because we have a uh, Once Upon a Time, right? Which is quite a fun one of those. Yeah, but this again, one has basically no mechanics. It's basically just yeah. you have a hand of cards and you tell a story, and then when you, you know, say the word that's on the card in your story, or you know, match the theme that's in your hand on that story, then you can play the card and when you have no cards, you win. Like, it's a super yeah. basic game. Yeah. Um, this one is the, the choices that you make. You can you can be silly with it. So, um, sometimes uh, one of the, the matrixes, the, uh, one of the choices is drink. And I encountered a tornado. I decided I was going to drink the tornado. It, it just actually it did, um, because what happened was I decided to have a drink, and I can't remember what happened to me. I think I got shit faced, and the tornado flung me some, in some far flung place. But <laughs> um, yeah, you get so you make really silly dis, uh, choices, and it's quite entertaining when that happens as well. But also, if you try and make you know realistic choices as well and think about what's happened you get in you get interesting stories as well so i I do think that anyone that likes the story games will enjoy this as well you don't have as much control because the story's already written but there's over two thousand stories available you know in in the book so that's fair yeah yep definitely so we will i think we should play that on the next time yeah but you have been playing um we were mentioning deck builders yes. <laughs> and uh funny 
uh, funny that you have been playing one. Yeah, I've been playing some more of the super hot card game, which I explained a little bit last week, but um, you weren't here last week. Yeah. I feel like you'll have some input on it because you love deck builders. Um, of course. Yeah, Superhot is a deck builder based on the video game Superhot, and it's got some kind of cool mechanics to it. Like the the basic idea of it is that there are three levels, and there's like a deck of uh, goal cards, and so at the start of every level you pull out one of those cards, um, or level two you pull out two of them, and level three you pick three of them, and these goal cards basically just say once you've matched this, the game ends. And you can do one of them, and when you finish one of them, you can put a token on it. It's not like you have to have all of them done at the exact same time. You just have to right. have done it once during that game, and then that counts. And these goals are all stuff like have a certain number of this type of card in your hand, or defeat this many enemies in the turn, or you know that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but the basic mechanics of it is you have a kind of starting deck of you know, a handful of cards, and you have two types of points on those cards you have the red ones which are kind of like attacks and then you have white ones which are basically dodges and the whole thing is that you're using these to defeat enemies and to interact with objects in an environment and collect uh kind of boosts as a result right the way you do this is like a lot of these kind of deck building games, there is a, a a line of cards in front of you that are basically the enemies. Uh, not all of them are enemies. They all come from like the same deck, but there's enemies and there's environmental things. So there'll be like a table, there'll be you know pillars and stuff like that. And the kind of theming of it is that you're using your cards to dodge if you're using the white cards and attack if you're using the red cards. And if you're dodging, you're dodging behind these pillars or behind this table, flip the table over, that kind of thing. And that thematically is kind of the reason for it. But in practice, what it actually means is that you're using these cards to uh, destroy objects from the line. So you'll take cards from your hand and go, okay, well, I've got, you know, three red and two white. And there's two guys with shotguns there. And they take three reds to defeat. So I'll use one of those to... Or I'll use like the, the, the red cards I have to you know take out one of those guys. Uh-huh. And when that guy gets destroyed, you get to choose either he goes back into the enemy deck or the discard pile for the enemy deck or he goes into your discard pile. In which case that means when you run out of cards in your deck and you shuffle your discard pile in, you have an extra card in there. And his red bonus will probably be higher than what your starting cards are so really basic kind of deck building stuff there but the way it's got a bit of a twist on it is the num after you've done that and you have taken out the card that you're you know attacking or dodging behind because the same thing happens if you dodge behind a pillar then you spend those resources and you you know take the pillar that you dodged behind and that gets added to your discard pile right okay but then, after that, the number of cards that you used. So, for example, if you used, uh, say that the you took out a guy with a shotgun and it cost you three three red points, and to do that you used a card that had two points and one that had one point. Then you've used two cards, and so as a result, the two objects on 
the end of the line, the two cards at the end of the line get taken out of there and added into your uh, discard pile. Right. So their abilities don't get activated. And then after that, everything in the line gets activated. So if enemies have guns, they'll shoot at you. And if, you know, there's one or two pillars that are, you know, kind of objects in the environment that will do things as well. But for the most part, it basically means enemies will shoot at you. Enemy Enemies that are still alive will shoot at you. And when they shoot at you, that means that they, that you add a, a bullet card from a separate deck that is off somewhere else and add that into the enemy deck. Which right. means that more and more of the deck is getting filled with bullet cards if you're not managing it properly. And if a bullet gets activated on the line, it gets added directly into your hand. And if you have a full hand of bullet cards, then you're fucked and you lose. Because you've been shot a bunch of times. Ah, right, okay. Um, so the way, like, the way that it just feels like a kind of you know, slightly more unique thing. It's just this kind of weird mechanic where you have this line of cards that are all doing stuff, but it feels like you're not just building your deck, you're also building the enemy deck. Because also, whatever cards you use get added into the enemy deck. So, when you're doing stuff, you might be like, okay, well, I've got this shotgun guy now, and he lets me do three damage and, you know, one go. But if I do that, that means there's another shotgun guy in the enemy deck. It means there's, you know, one more guy that's going to come out and shoot me at some point. Uh-huh. And so it's just this weird balancing act the whole time. Or, like, I play the game where uh, one of my goals was to have uh, eight, um, like, a, a point value of red, red eight in my hand in one turn. So I spent the whole time just murdering guys, but not doing anything with the object. So I wasn't really dodging anything. And as a result, the enemy deck was entirely just white value cards by the end of it, because I had all of the enemies in my deck. So, for a super hot level, that would be a level where my character was walking through empty levels. <laughs> like, just walking past empty tables and pillars and be like, oh, there's no enemies here, that's pretty, it's pretty good, it's pretty relaxed. And it's just a, a weird, weird mechanic. Um, I quite like it. It's also a solo game, this is a weird thing. It's not, there's no... I think there's a co-op mode, but I've not... It seems primarily a, a single-player game. Right. Um, so it's weird, but it is a deck builder. But it's just this weird thing where you're building multiple decks, sort of. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. But I don't think, as a person who doesn't like deck builders, you would like it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds interesting. I like the idea that your, you know, your, your discards are they're they're affecting you more than usual you know whereas yeah. uh yeah you you discard it it rem... it's yeah, slightly it... different from the usual deck builder mechanic where most deck builders the way they work is you have fluff cards that are useless and they pad out your deck but they might give you victory points at the end or something that's why they're there. like even paperback does that like where you get the uh the cards that don't give you any point value if you use them but you know they're wilds and you can use them for anything but yeah. they're kind of useless because you're not getting any points from them um, and most deck builds are like that they have some kind of useless card or you know less useful card that's in there solely to take up space in your deck so that you draw a hand and you don't have the good cards in it 
Yes. And Super Hot Ken does the opposite, where you're taking, like, the, the issue is not uh, that you have rubbish cards in your hand, or in your deck in your hand that you can't use, it's that you have good cards, but if you use them, they will come back to haunt you later. Uh-huh. Um, so it's weird, it's, it's still similar, but it's just this weird kind of twist on it that I quite liked. Um, yeah. It's neat. I don't know if I necessarily recommend people go out and buy it. I don't think you can go out and buy it just now. I think it's just a Kickstarter thing. I presume they will be selling copies of it at some point. Yeah, you'd imagine so. I mean, that's kind of usually the point. But you never, you never know with Kickstarters. There's a good chance that this was it. Um, yeah. But I enjoy it. As far as solo games go, there are a lot better ones out there. But it's an interesting one, if nothing else. Um... If you like the video game, it's worth owning, I suppose. Cool. Maybe you can buy it. Looks like prices are between 20 and 30 pounds. Right. Just an okay price for that. Cool. Yeah. Um, actually, that's a lie. Jesus Christ. Chaos Cards has it for 14 pounds. Oh, okay. Mental. Anyway, uh, you've been playing better games. Or at least yes. I suspect are better <laughs> games. Uh, like uh, Dresden Files, the cooperative game. Yes, yes. So I picked, we picked up Dresden Files. We were in the shop and having a look about. And I I think I'd realised uh, Dresden Files and had a look at it when it first came on Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter game. Yeah, and I, I, sho- I remember it. Yeah, I, I showed it to Anne, and at that point, I don't think we had the money at the time to put into another Kickstarter, and she wasn't, I, I don't, because it was nearly two years ago, I think, um, it, you know, she wasn't that into it, or, but for whatever the reason was, we didn't end up getting it, mm-hmm. and, and backing it, but we seen it on the shelf, and I said, have a look and she said oh that looks quite good and had a look at the back of the box and when we realized that it wasn't a deck builder because normally a licensed card game tends to be a deck builder these days yeah but, that's usually oh, a safe bet either it's like a, yeah a deck builder or it's um a living card game of some sort or, or it's monopoly yeah or it's this you know complicated system where you're playing cards to fight things and it, it's yeah like older fantasy flight things yes <laughs> like, yeah by the way we got a license and we made the most complicated board game ever around it here's a rule book that's a page long and doesn't explain how to play the game enjoy yes by the way thanks for your money <laughs> they've gotten so much better now yeah so the this game is it's cooperative game and it it's played out on a board and everyone has a deck of cards that they use to combat there's an event and it all of the events are based on various books in the the dresden file series mm-hmm. um and these uh it's a, a deck of cards as well this deck of cards consists of 12 cards in in the cards are enemies that need to be defeated um, cases that need to be investigated 
There are also obstacles that need to be overcome. And there are a few things that you can take advantage of. So there's mix bar where you can go and have drinks. Uh, that's an advantage that you can have. And oh, it no. gives you... Yeah, it it let, it gives you more cards from your hand. You can you get to whoever gets that advantage gets to draw a card, and then they can decide. Uh, there's two other players, or there's two more card draws that they can have. That will make. It'll become significant later when I explain another couple of things. But basically, you have your your deck of cards, and you're trying to, you're playing together to overcome this deck of twelve cards. Uh, the 12 cards are laid out on like a track there's two tracks of six mm -hmm. and whenever you target a card um, to play if you're going to do some damage against a four you may have an attack card and the attack card does four points of damage to something within a range one to two so like I said to you there's uh, six uh, you know two rows of cards and they've got six spaces each yeah if they if the the enemy you're trying to hit is in space number four and you've got a range of two well you can't hit him if he's in space number one or two yes you can hit him no problem at all uh the same for investigating the all of your cards tell you what range you can put them in that's all fine and well each player's deck of cards is only 12 cards thick two of those cards are your character cards and then you've got 10 cards uh, your 10 cards are split into three different types again you've got the attack cards for dealing enemies investigation cards for dealing with clues you've got obstacle cards that obviously help you get over obstacles and there's advantage cards that let you take advantages depending on what character you take from the book the mix of what type of cards they have in their deck will vary so Harry is he's quite spiritual and you know he does his, his magic thing mm -hmm. so he is quite well balanced he's not bad at investigation and he's got a good mix of uh, investigation and combat and he's good at overcoming some obstacles he's not so good at taking advantage of things so he doesn't have many of those cards uh, there's a character called now you you need to excuse me because I don't I haven't read the books so uh, I think it's Karen Murphy and she is uh, I think she's a cop or an investigator so she's very good at investigating but she's also handy with a gun so her attacks are quite high okay yeah so you you get the idea there's um, yeah. various decks I think the the base game comes with five different characters that you can pick from. Um, the game is played with one to five, one to four character, uh, one to four players, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, so you have uh, ten cards in your deck. When you play the game, you're not going to use all of those cards. You shuffle them up, and if you're playing uh, a three-player game, you will draw seven of those cards. The chances of you drawing those other three into your deck, very, very slim. Okay. Yeah. So the, the game is uh, about using limited resources to defeat uh, defeat your obstacles yeah. that you're trying to defeat. Um, the way that the, the game plays as well is 
you've got a board and like i said it's got the track with the the 12 spaces for the cards that you're going to overcome there is also fate points now fate points is your currency to to do anything in the game uh you start with 13 fate points and anytime you play a card to investigate something or to attack something you need to spend the number of fate points that are on the card once you've spent all of those points if you at any point you run out of fate points and you can't get any back that's you the game ends and it goes into there's a a last phase it's called the showdown and what the showdown is is you basically get a hail mary roll of dice um the dice in this game are very similar to the dice we were talking about in arabian nights there's plus and minuses on them and that's it there's plus minuses and blanks and you are throwing six dice hail mary roll to try and get the remaining clues or the remaining hits that you need on enemies to defeat them. The game, uh, to win the game, you need to have solved more more cases than there are undefeated enemies on the board. So normally the, the first case comes with four cases, or the first book, I beg your pardon, comes with four cases and four enemies. Okay. So essentially to to win that case, that game, and that book, you would need to de- um, either defeat four enemies and solve one case, or solve four cases and defeat one enemy. Makes sense, yeah? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's it. So, I've told you that when you play a card, you use uh, yeah. fate points. How you get fate points back is by discarding cards. Mm-hmm. So you need to decide if you've got a card in your hand whether, you know, first of all, you need to come up with your strategy with your partner or your partners that you're playing with and decide, well, do we do we play the game, um, play the game and, you know, go, we're going to defeat the, the enemies or are we going to solve cases? And you can talk each other you talk to each other about what you have in your hand as long as it's not saying oh i've got six attack cards and two investigation cards you can say if we're going the attacking route i'm your man just let me do you know it's that kind of vague conversations um so you still need to have you nobody's allowed perfect information and it also yeah. stops quarterbacking yeah i like the idea like going back to the you know you can either you know solve four of the cases and you know, defeat one enemy or blah, blah, yeah. I like that thematically. So I like the implication that it's like, well, either you solved a bunch of stuff and then killed a guy at the end because you know maybe you know he's on dead a bunch of stuff. Yes. Or you just went around and started murdering fucking everyone. <laughs> it's like these are the two options you have: either you solve the crimes or you murder everyone involved. Yeah. The the one of the cool things as well is some of the cases and some of the enemies are linked. So there is uh, a case called um, Was Falcone involved? And Falcone is presumably some sort of underworld gangster. And there are two, there's a four, which is two guys, two gangster guys, and I think they're called Falcone's Mob or something like that. And the cards are linked. And what happens is that if you defeat the guys before solving the case then you have to remove clues from the case. Okay, so it makes it harder because you've yeah, killed the people that could have given you information. 
Yes, yeah. So it makes sense in that case to go for the, the case first and then kill the guys. Yeah. There is also a, a Kashishik, or it's a, a demon toad, or a, it's a beastie anyway. And this beastie can only be damaged um, once a certain case has been resolved, but the case has got, it, it's like really, it's one of the biggest cases in that book. It takes like 11 clues to get rid of it. So it thematically, you know, they the build all these things through the game. Um, Art-wise, the cards look really good. Um, and with it being a Kickstarter, they did a couple of promos and, you know, stretch goals and things. One of the things that they did was they've got a crossover character from Sentinels of the Multiverse. Okay. Which is really cool. It's a character called Ra, and Ra is a in Sentinels of the Multiverse. It's a he's a school teacher or a university professor, and something happens to him. I think he reads an ancient scroll or something, and he becomes Ra, the sun god. Okay. And that now, yeah, <laughs> but Ra, the sun god, would fit perfectly in the world of Harry Dresden. Yeah. Because you've got a, you know, you've got people that are um, a couple that are lichens, they're werewolves, and you've got um, a guy who's this Christian knight uh, with kind of supernatural powers. So it it would make sense for him to be in there, and it's actually quite well done. It, it's quite cool. That's quite cool. I like, you know, little crossover things like that. They don't always yeah. make sense, but they're neat. Yeah. Um. This game takes. Basically, in the amount of time we've probably been talking about this, you could set up the game, play the game, and then pack it away. And pretty short. Pretty short, yeah. It's a two-minute setup, and to play the game, once you've been through the rules, I think the first time we played it, and I played it with Anne, it took us maybe 40 minutes just to explain the rules. Uh, and then we played tonight just before we recorded and i think we got through a book in 25 minutes we we got our we got our arses kicked but it was really good yeah um when you buy the game as well it's there's a, a little link to a video it says learn the game in 12 minutes it's a 12 minute video and that is all you need it is the game is really really simple and yeah it it's a rado video it's <laughs> good to no, it's not. It's a video that they created in house. Yeah, it's, I it. It would have been really yeah. funny if they were just like, I don't know, Rado already did this show. Let's just, just well, let's saying that, if you talk, if you look at games like uh, some of the tiny epic games, Dead of Winter, um, what was the the Bioshock game? They have little, you know, stop, learn, go to the internet and watch a video to learn to play this game, mm-hmm. and it's. Um, it's Watch It Played. It's Rodney from Watch It yeah, Played. Sure, yeah. You know, so th- there are companies that use third-party videos to, to learn yeah, how sure. to play their games. There's John Gets, John Gets Games. He does some stuff. And oh, there's a British guy. Um, and he does a lot of the stuff for um, uh, Isaac Childress, the, the Gloomhaven guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, Gaming Rules is the, the video series. Um, and he does all the rules for those games. But yeah, so there's a 12-minute video, and that is all you need. It's really well done. The game is really simple, and yeah, we we quite enjoy it. I think 
I think you would like it as well. It's a quite a light cooperative game. Yeah, it seems to be interesting. Yeah, very very difficult though, but still a, a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, that's quite cool. Um, we played another new game as well. So when we were at our game day, we played a game that somebody else brought in and um, it's from Bruno Gothala. So Bruno Gothala is the guy that made Five Tribes and Yamatai and uh, one of the Game of Thrones games, uh, the last one, the the Hand of the King. Yeah, he's done plenty. So this is a game and it's just won the Spiel de Yaris. Yes. Uh, It's called... Yes, it's called King Domino. So King Domino is a... It's a kingdom building game. So it's one of those games where, you know, you need to build uh, like the city building games, like between two cities, that kind of idea where you're building. uh, You've got tiles and you're placing them and they need to match in certain places. Otherwise, they won't score points. Mm -hmm. So the way that it works in King Domino is the the tiles are, uh, you know, like the, the big long tiles in between two cities so, yeah. so and they are like dominoes they're split in half and uh you know there's one type of landscape on one side another another type of landscape on the other side and the way that you play king domino is you have a center a starting block which is a little kingdom and then from there you can place anything any domino touching on one of its four sides and it can be anything it can be wild um, but any tile afterwards, so let's say you start off and you place a tile and it's got two forests. The next the next tile you play that touches uh, that forest tile has to be a forest. Or if it's wheat, you know, wheat touches wheat, water touches water. As, as long as when you put two tiles together, one of the sides matches one of the other sides. Like, like placing dominoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there are also each of the different types so you've got water tiles there's uh, mines there's wheat uh there's a couple of other different little tiles um and all of them will have a little homestead and they have a little crown on them so the way scoring works is you count the number of let's say you've placed forest you count the number of forest tiles that you have that are touching each other and you multiply them by the number of crowns that you have as well. So each little homestead will have a crown on it, or it may have two crowns, or it may have three crowns. So let's say you have six tiles and you have three three crowns, you'll get 18 points. Because six times three, you just multiply yeah. the number of tiles by the number of crowns. Um, you do that for all of the areas that you have, and whoever has the most points wins. Um, you're building a in a normal game you're building a five by five grid and if at any point when you're placing your dominoes if you you know if it looks like you're going to have one part sticking out of the five by five grid then you can't play it you have to discard that tile Um, the other thing as well is uh, how the how you pick your dominoes so at the beginning of the game you place um, 
all the dominoes are labeled 1 to 48, I think. I think there's 48 um, dominoes in the game. So you take four dominoes and you list them from highest to lowest value. Uh, the lower value that a domino has, then it's not as valuable. It doesn't have maybe, you know, as many crowns on, on that type of land. Um, and then obviously the, the higher the domino is rated, then the better it is, the richer it is. It's easier to get points from those dominoes. Uh, so you place four dominoes out. And uh, to start off the game, you randomly select uh, everyone's pawn and you or meeple and you put them on the domino. Uh, so when it comes to your turn, you pick up your, your meeple, take the tile that you've got, and you've already placed the next four dominoes out. So if you're the first person on top, you take your meeple, take your tile, and then you get first choice of the dominoes that are laid out. Okay. And and let's say you want the one that's down at the bottom because it's good for your plans, then you put it down there. On the next turn, you'll get to pick fourth. And you keep doing that until you run out of tiles and everyone's built their five by five grid. That's very cool. Very, very simple little game. Fantastic. Yeah. Um I mean, it, games tend to be uh, the more uh, family friendly ones. Yes. Um uh, but they also tend to be really good games. Yeah. 25 minute game uh well 15 to 25 minute game depending on how you play and who you're playing with uh, it's one of those two minutes to learn a lifetime to master games <laughs> really really good um first time we played it i had a really good game and wiped the floor with everyone uh then we brought it back we brought our own copy and we played three games right in the trot and that didn't even take an hour um, Anne and myself and I think Anne won one and I won two and we were playing other things as well we played again last uh, tonight and uh, she wiped the floor with me it just it, it it's quite well balanced as well it's not one of those games where somebody can always you know they're they're always going to win um, so yeah. that's quite good as well uh, one of the cool things was as well if you're playing a two player game once you get used to it, you can say, right, we're going to use all the tiles in the box and we're going to build a seven by seven grid, mm -hmm. which is what we did tonight. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Really good. It sounds cool. Um, I was also looking at the price. It's really cheap as well. Yes. Yeah. So I picked it up. I got it for, I think, £15 and I got it on Amazon. So yeah, I, it, on Amazon. yeah it was here the next day. Um, if you are... If you have any interest in the game, you think you might like it, buy it. It's it's worth the risk. Yeah, it's fifteen quid. Um, and also, I suggest you do it because to find copies are quite difficult at the moment. Oh really? Yes, uh, they they're selling through rather quickly. Oh, geez. Um, so yeah, if if it's something that you've got people that you think would enjoy it, that's fine. If you're looking for people. If you think people might not like it because they're not, you know, the kind of is not backstabby or anything like that, it can be. You can get into a situation where if you're paying attention to what somebody else has on the board, you can take tight, you can take their tiles, you can jump in and take their tiles. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, it's a really smart it. game. 
It is. It is very clever. When it first came out, and I'd heard a couple of people talking about it on podcasts and things, I completely dismissed it. And I think everyone did. And then it started, it was a, a, nom- a nominee in the Spiel Diaris. And then there was people that were actually playing it and going, hang on, this is actually really good. And I didn't pay, again, I didn't pay too much attention. And it was only when somebody says, here, does any, do you want to try this? And I went, yeah, battering. Well, yeah. you know, on a game day, you tend to play, but, you know, if somebody's got the, brought the game with them and they yeah. know the game, it's normally, chances are it's a good game. So played it, fantastic. And we, we bought, like I said, ordered it online and we it was here on the Sunday. That's cool. So, yeah. Definitely King Domino. If you are thinking about it, get it. You will not regret it. So the final game that I would talk about is uh, a Kill Mini or Not game, and it's from Eric Lang. It's a Kill Mini or Not new one until, well, probably until next week when because they're starting to bring out new games all the <laughs> time. The whole time. Um, yeah. Well, actually, you say that, but literally, um... oh shit. Was the Kilmini or Not game? It's I don't think it's a new game, but it got a reprint uh, last week. Uh, um. Oh fuck! Modern art. Modern art, yes. Yeah, that like I don't think that's a new game. I could be wrong. Um, no, that that's uh, I think that's it's a Rain of Nietzsche game, yeah. and it's. Uh, oh, it's quite an old one actually. Yeah, yes, from yeah, the early nineties. Yeah. But yeah, it got a reprint with new art and stuff like that. Um, I think it's new art. Maybe at least it got a reprint uh, last week. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it does have new art. We did all the stuff. It looks really pretty. It keeps coming up on all my like recommendations lists. I'm like, I've never heard of this game, but it looks real nice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so I picked up The Godfather. So it's uh, Eric Lang. Um. So that's the guy that's made Rising Sun. He's done Blood Rage. Uh, XCOM the board game Quarriers again take your pick you know pick a, a modern board game and he's probably had something to do with it yeah. Um, yeah. really cool so The Godfather is a worker placement game um, and it also has an element of area control and it is also backstabby as hell so <laughs> the game is you've got the game board and it's set up it's new york and it's divided into districts so um and on each district is a couple of businesses mm-hmm. so um everyone in the game starts off with they have a don the head of their house and they also have if you're playing with more excuse me playing with more than i think two players you've got your don and two thugs and on your turn, what you can do is you can place one of your workers. Um, so if you place the thugs, they can shake down the fronts of the businesses. So they can go to the front of the business and they can shake them down for some money. Or if it's a, a gun shop, they can shake it down for some, some weapons and yeah. guns and things. So there's a couple of things, a couple of resources that you can get. You can get um, blood money, guns, and... Uh, booze illegal booze that's uh, the three things that you can get from shaking down businesses uh you can also get you know just straight out money um and the object of the game is to be the person with the most money but 
money isn't safe in your hands. You have to launder your money. You have to put it in. You Everyone's got like this big metal suitcase and you have to put your money cards inside the suitcase. It's really cool. Um, com- the game is completely overproduced. The, the minis are stunning, completely unnecessary. You get these metal suitcases. They are amazing. These cool little suitcases. Again, completely unnecessary. Yeah, you cool. could have... Yeah, it, it would have been fine if you had little player screens, but <laughs> they've went all out with this. Um, so yeah, you do your worker placement thing, and uh, then your mob bosses they can shake the they can not shake down. Yeah, they they shake down the 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 back of the business. So if you place, uh, they get placed on different areas on the board, and these areas, what they'll do is they'll they'll, they'll kind of you place them on between the boundary lines of the areas so when you place your mob boss down or your one of your family members they will shake down every business that's in that area okay so instead of just shaking down one business they may shake down four depending on where you place them and obviously that's the wisest move that's the wiser thing to do because you get more resources Mm mm-hmm um, with your resources, what you can do is you can then uh, do jobs. Um, there's jobs that you can do for the Godfather. There's uh, three or four communal jobs out in the field at any one time. But you also get dealt job cards to your hand. Um, to play a job card from your hand, you obviously have to have the resources, the resource cards in your hand, and you place them down and you get the benefit. Um, you uh the job cards also go into your suitcase, the same as the money, because there's bonus points at the end of the game that are based on the number of jobs that you've done. You're looking yeah. to... There's jobs of uh, different colours, and the pers- each person who has done the jo- the highest number of jobs in each colour will get bonus points. So that's one of the things that you can do. So, yeah, you can use your resources to buy to do jobs. Now, some of these jobs are like a car bomb and it will wipe all of the people all the people off the board so let's say kieran you place your your worker on the space that gives you weapons uh-huh. um i that want like I, I yeah so i i've decided i want to put my guy there but your guy's there and he's he can't be moved unless i put a contract out in him and he gets hit and he dies, and you, you take the character, and you um, there's a part of the board which is the Hudson River, and any dead characters get placed in the Hudson River because they're they're swimming with the of fishies. Course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so you place them face down, and they're out for that round, and then the next round you get all your workers back as you normally do in a worker placement. Uh, yes, yeah, so, I imply that they came back. No, no, thematically you just get new. Th- Oh, you, you know, replace you, them. Yeah, you replace them. You get new thugs, or yeah. you have, you know, okay. more family members. Yeah, um, they're not like named dudes. <laughs> no, no, they're okay. not named. I thought, I thought they were like named <laughs> things. It's like, oh yeah, you know, murdered that guy. Came back yesterday though. Yeah, <laughs> bloody zombie gangsters. <laughs> the worst kind. Yep. Uh, yeah. So it's very backstabby, and at the end of the round. So the reason it is quite backstabby is you are you have a look in each area and whoever has the most uh, people in that area, they will gain control of that area. You know, so it um, 
you place one of your markers everyone has these little colorful markers and there's a certain place in each area and you place your marker on it if your marker is the first one visible let's say there's three three different colored markers but yours, yours is the one on top that means that you that area is under your control okay okay um and uh, there's another benefit to that happening as well. So if you have an area that's in your control, and so let's say you control downtown Manhattan, and I come in there and I shake down the, the booze business and I get some illicit booze. Because I've done that and you it's your area, you get some you get that resource as well as tribute because it's your area. It's paying respect. Okay. Yeah, so it's got this. kind of like the opposite of what I'd expect thematically. I can expect that if I ran an area and your guys came came in and shook it down, the people there would probably pay me less because I wasn't protecting them. No, but it's more I've shaken it down. I've shaken down the business, Mm -hmm. and I've taken everything, but I've given you a cut. All right. Okay. I guess. Well, that, that's kind of how we yeah, thought. Yeah, I, I guess moment. that makes sense. So it's like, yeah, it's not that they are giving me resources; it's that you have taken their resources and they're like, I know this is your la- your you know turf, but you know, take some of yes. this and let's forget about it. Yeah, that's the kind of idea. Um, yeah, so the, there's that that part of the area controlled. So you want to control areas for that benefit, and also at the end of the game. Uh, what happens is they add you count the number of everyone's tokens um, and whoever's got the most tokens in a certain area they can they they control that area and they'll get bonus points towards the end for scoring so it's a quite a simple game that i think i've near enough covered everything and how you play it and it's quite simple but the decisions that you get to make there's quite a lot of different decisions. There's um, one of the things I didn't mention is these characters um, that you can hire. So there's uh, or bribe. There's uh, police chiefs and mayors and people that work in the police precinct to do with evidence and things. And these guys give you certain benefits that you can play as well. Um, so there's there's very big decisions about you know right. I've got to go first this time. Do I place my gangster out, my family member out to get as many resources as possible? But Kieran's still got to play and he's got the he's got the, the hitman that can take somebody out. Yeah. Or um, at one point there's uh, one of the characters and they basically wipe out all, all enemy presence in a certain area for you to keep dominance. Um... And yeah, at the last point, uh, the last round of the game when we played, Anne had that resource. She had this guy. And for like four or five turns, no one was placing any any guys out in the map. Because <laughs> they knew Anne had to place this person. Yeah, and she would. Like how uh, Star Wars Rebellion works, where, you know, if you know that the other player, you know, if the Empire player still has. The people that are high rank enough, like if if Boba Fett is still sitting there in their pool, you don't want to put out your high ranking Jedi and stuff because Boba Fett could show up at any point and be like, um, capture you. Yes. Because you're out and about. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it's that kind of thing of you know that the bad shit could happen to your dudes if they're out and about. So yes, keep an yeah. eye on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've got all these different decisions and things that can happen. Uh, and it just makes for a really, really smart game. Yeah, uh, it and seems really it, cool. Yeah. Th- um, I think the best way to kind of describe it is take something like um, Viticulture or Euphoria, so a really smart worker placement game, but then take the best parts of Munchkin. See the best parts when someone was just about to get their plan perfect yeah. and you play something and scupper it. That the the good parts of Munchkin, yeah, not bit. the fucking grinding <laughs> and yeah, it it is it's very not, bank not the, turn, not the turn after everyone has wasted all the resources to stop someone from winning because then the next person just wins. Yeah, no one stop them. Yeah, um, the 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 take that element is very well done. Um, and you can have fun with it as well. So uh, we play, we started playing the game, and. Um, one of the guys that we're playing with he one of the things that he had to do was he had to move somebody from one area to another and the game's just started so there's no you know there's no beefs and nothing's happening yet mm-hmm. but Anne had Anne had, had strategically placed a couple of her guys in a certain area to get something and the guy said, right, I have to move somebody, so I'll just do... And he did it without looking. He just picked up a, a character and moved it from one place to another. And Anne's like, really? It was the, the, the... He could have moved any other character and it wouldn't have made a difference to anyone on the board. But Anne had specifically put that one there for a certain thing, and it was the <laughs> only one. And just by blind luck, he picked it up. So that was it. And that, you know, so between him and Anne, the whole game was this backwards and forwards banter about that's it. You're fucking dead to me. You're, you're, you're going down. So any, any time they had cards that, you know, were quite backstabby or quite take that, they would use them against each other. Just a lot of fun. Really good. It sounds really good. I want to try and get it. Yeah, it is. Um, the only negative that I would say about it is the overproduction. Um, I, I know that sounds weird, but the game is, it looks really good. I mean, from the guy who loved Hop. Yes. The, the game that comes with a handful of some of the nicest, not even, we can't even call them minis. Like the They are toys. toys. And they serve no purpose except for being score trackers. It's, yes. <laughs> yeah. The difference is that Hop didn't cost close to eighty pounds. That's true. Yeah, Hop was like thirty-ish or forty. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, to pick up a copy of the Godfather, it retails, I think, for eighty odd pound. Yeah, that's expensive. Yeah, um, you can you can shop around and get it from anywhere between. You know, sixty-five, seventy, um, and that's yeah, sixty-five quid <laughs> is still quite pricey. Um, I did, I fancied the game, so I picked it up. But it is, it, it's quite pricey for, yeah. you know, to, it's nice, it's really nice, but it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, it sounds it. 
yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, and also, sorry, one more negative: the 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 whole theming of the Godfather. It's not a Godfather game. It's a gangster game. It's a, yeah, it's a generic gangster game. It's the the rule book and everything is quite nice, and the cards. Um, so there's a card where you you assassinate one character. You can kill one character on the board, and the name of the card is. I need to get this right so I don't fuck up the quote. But the name of the, the name of the card is. Leave the cannoli. So uh, I don't know if you're a, a Godfather fan, but there's uh, in the Godfather, there's they, they kill somebody in the back of a car and they're about to leave, and there's a box of pastries, mm-hmm. and the guy that's done the killing, you know, he goes to go for the gun, and he says to him, "Leave the gun, take the cannoli." But the name on the card is "Leave the cannoli, take the gun," because obviously you're you're killing people, yeah. so. Yeah, it's nice little touches, things like that. Um, one of the one of the jobs that you get to do is called an offer. You, an offer they can't refuse. Of course, it is. Yeah, the, there's things like that. But in terms of the actual gameplay mechanisms, uh, you know, the, the the movies were never about shaking down businesses and doing things like that. Yeah. So it could have been any any generic gangster film. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. Uh, if you do fancy it, I do recommend checking it out. Just be wary that it is quite a lot of money, but you are getting really nice figures, and those tins are absolutely lovely. It so, cool. well, I mean, yeah, yeah, it does sound overproduced and maybe oh, not God, using yeah. steam to the best way, but it's good for what it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that is it. Have we got a? That's it for board games, anyway. Um, do we have any news? Uh, we have a couple of things. Not a lot, because it's been pretty quiet recently. Um, we have... Uh, there's a new game coming out from the developer of Deadly Premonition. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, called The Good Life. Right. Uh, it's going to be on FIG, I believe, so it's going to be a, on the... Th- 3rd of September, so it's going to be a crowdfunded game if people want to back it, which I recommend. Deadly Premonition is cool. Uh, but the pitch for it is uh, The Good Life will be a debut title from Sorry's new studio White Owls. The eccentric director said this quirky mystery will inherit the spirit of Deadly Premonition. This game is set in a, a, a peculiar English village where everyone transforms into a cat at night. Okay. It's, that's kind of it. It's like a weird game where they describe it as a daily life RPG so I guess something kind of uh, Harvest Moonish maybe but with the weird Deadly Premonition humour and stuff and you turn into a cat every night yeah it's, it Quite... sounds weird but it's probably yes <laughs> um, what else have we got we only have one other video game news topic and then we've got like a couple of board game things um but this one was it's less news but it's just kind of an interesting thing where so uh near automata came out earlier this year yeah and it came out of platinum games published by square enix and you know designed by yokotaro and it came kind of on the footsteps of 
Platinum games, recent games, not doing well. Like, Bayonetta 2 didn't sell very well. And then they were making Scalebound with Microsoft, and Microsoft cancelled it. And then earlier this year, Platinum laid off a bunch of people. So it seems right. like they were not doing well. And uh, the CEO of... Um, I think it's CEO? One of the heads of, uh, of Platinum Games basically confirmed this because he tweeted out a thing that's been translated now because it's all in Japanese saying, uh, near success has to this point given Platinum a new fan base, a growing staff, a brilliant success story, an increase in qualified job applicants and great benefit. Uh, normally I can't help but to do everything by myself. It's a pitiful story but to say that Yoko-san saved Platinum would not be an exaggeration. I cannot think thank him enough. So I think it's just a kind of interesting and kind of, you know, slightly more heartwarming than most of the stories that we hear about the games industry these days yeah they were platinum were kind of on their last legs somewhat you know they were not you know their last games you know bayonetta star fox zero etc didn't do well microsoft cut their uh the game they were making for them yeah and then square enix were like okay we're going to make a sequel to this rpg we made years ago that wasn't super successful i Mm -hmm. guess we'll let platinum do it and it sold millions and made them shit yes. lots of money. And yeah. it's probably it's like one of the front runners from my game of the year this year so far. Like is that good a game. So it's just a nice thing to hear. You know? Yes. I think the game industry would be a lot duller without platinum or Yokotaro around. Yeah. Um, uh, that's the only video game stuff I've got. Uh, board game wise, uh, Civilization is getting a new board game. Woohoo! Called Sid Meier's Civilization and New Dawn. Yes. Uh, it's a strategy board game for two to four players. Yep. Each player selects a leader and a civilization, and they play for duration of the game. Woohoo! It's a really bad description that you're a gamer got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, based more on Civilization Six than the previous one. The previous one was based on four. Four, yes. Yeah. So it's a bit more. There's more color in it. It's all this brown. Which yes. Civilization yeah. Four was a very brown game. <laughs> yeah, it um, was. Civ Six is a bit more cartoony, so it's it's definitely a bit more inspired by that. Like all the, uh, they've not shown meant much artwork. There's just been a couple images, um, but things like the uh, leader cards are big cartoony things and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a couple of things different from the 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 first one. So it's got these uh, agenda cards, mm-hmm. um, and that looks like a quite a neat mechanic, and it gives you kind of gives you something to aim for. Um, this is what you need to achieve to win the game. Whereas the the original one was a bit more. It was like the the video game. You know, it was quite sandboxy. In right, yeah. well, you know, here's how the game works. What what you're going to do? You're going to chase the, the economic victory or the military victory or the cultural victory. It's entirely up to you how you do it. Um, yeah, I'm quite interested to see this one. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. So I'd be, you know, I'd be willing to try it out. Um, cool. What else we got? Uh, that was also Fantasy Flight's making that one, isn't it? Uh yes, that's Fantasy yeah. Flight. Yeah, um, we had a bunch of Fantasy Flight news this week, because um, they're also making Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Yes, yeah. Which is a game I've never played, but always kind of wanted to. But yeah, 
Yeah, so uh, I don't know if we've ever spoken about it on the, the podcast. So Twilight Imperium, for anyone that doesn't know, is a sprawling space diplomacy. Is this massive space opera that's played over six to eight hours? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's like you, massive. Yeah, um, it's like a really really big game as well in terms of the the footprint on the table um, and. Yeah, it's just one of those epic, mythic games. You know, you hear stories about people playing them. And I have... It's one that's always intrigued me. I think the same as you, Kieran. I've always fancied it, but I don't know if I would fancy buying it because I know it would hardly ever get to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I yeah, can I imagine struggle, if... I struggle to get... Like anything slightly more complicated at the table yeah but i mean i can imagine if i came home with this box that's so currently you can pick up a copy of third edition for close to a hundred pounds if i came and it's a big big long box as well so if i came home with this game that's cost me a hundred pounds and this big massive box and put it on the table and says i bought a game that's a hundred pounds no i've done that before (laughs) I've spent a hundred pounds a board game, so I'm not going to get my head taken off, and and Anne would be fine with it and things like that. But then, if I said to her, "Right, sit down because we're going to play an eight-hour game," I think I wouldn't see her for dust. Yeah, it's... it would just be like, no. Yeah, I don't ever see that happening. So it's one that's intrigued me, um, and. The announcement of the fourth edition is not selling me on getting fourth edition because they're adding more stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they're adding things to it. But also, Fantasy Flight have got a lot better. Like we were saying earlier, they've got a lot better with their rule books and stuff like that. I can imagine this one having the equivalent of like the Star Wars Rebellion like quick start book that would maybe have a shorter version of the game in it that you can, you know, get through to learn it. That might end up just being. The- there isn't a short, as far as I know, there isn't a short version of Twilight Imperium. Uh, I don't know. Then. The, from what I've read, right? yes, but from what I've read and what I've seen, this is one for Twilight Imperium. It's weird that they're, they're bringing out this game and they're bringing it out for the people that already have bought it. Yeah, it's like here's another one. Yeah. Rather than like an expansion, is we know you will buy a full new game, so yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued, but I won't be buying one. I don't think. I think it's pretty safe to say that I'm not going to be buying one. That's fair. Uh, they also announced Fallout the board game. Yes. No. Yeah, that that looked neat, but. Um, I was never a Fallout fan, so I like the originals. Didn't really like Bethesda ones. Yeah, well, this is this is based on the Bethesda games. Yeah, but I think that it's probably like the thing I didn't like about the Bethesda ones was the writing and the gameplay, and those are things that right. probably won't fall into this too much. The theme is still great. They do an amazing job with that, mainly because they ripped it from the old games and basically stuck with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to wait and see. I've got my... Uh, uh, I've got... Fuck, what's the name of that game? It's right there. 
It's too dark in here. Bright future. There we go. Oh, yes. There's a bright future for, for Fallout game. Whatever. Also, there's a Resident Evil 2 board game coming. <laughs> it's going to be kickstarted in yes. fall of 2017, so any month now. Yeah. Uh, being made by Steamforged Games. Yeah, so that's the guys that have made the... Okay, um, the, the Dark Souls games. Yeah. I heard that um, game's decent. I've heard very, very mixed things about it. Yeah, I've heard that it's like... The thing I've heard is that it's decent, but it doesn't actually work for like a full-length game. Yeah. That it's kind of like it's got good mechanics, but then repeats itself. Um, yes, yeah, it's very grindy, and yeah. it would be better if you could just fight the boss. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the so the thing that I'm a bit worried about with Steam Forge Games getting the, the license for Resident Evil Two game is that so they just announced that earlier this week they or was it last week they announced that they're doing a Dark Souls card game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're ramping up. Yeah, but, but it the, the skeptic in me is like it's a scattergun approach because it, yeah, it feels like, yeah, let's just bring out all these, these, you know, video game IPs and, you know, our game mechanics are not as sound as, you know, the fancy flight or cool mini or not. Um, yeah. But we're just going to appeal for, we're going for the mass market appeal. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but I also think that, um, I think there's a good chance that this is them kind of well, not necessarily the Resident Evil 1 but turning Dark Souls into a card game seems like a good way to fix some of the complaints people had about the board game they made if that makes any sense yeah. like the grindy repeat, repetitiveness would be less of an issue with a card game than a hey you're you know moving around this grid fighting bosses kind of thing uh-huh. it could be it could be just as bad but at least to me that's what I like to think is what they're doing there uh, the Resident Evil one, they've not really said much about what the game is, so who knows. Uh-huh. They've started showing their character renders, though. There's Claire Redfield's going to be in it, because of Resident Evil 2. Right. And, yeah. And uh, she has the special ability Made in Heaven, <laughs> named after the design on the biker jacket she gives to Sherry, another ground report. That's a really fucking specific reference. Yeah. That's like a deep dive. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's weird um, then uh, rookie cop Leon S. Kennedy which is his full name um, he has a special ability cool under fire this is weird I don't know it's weird that they're announcing like you know abilities and stuff like that for this stuff when I don't think they've had much of a description of what the game's going to be maybe they just I've missed it or something. Anyway, <laughs> that could be alright. There's going to be a Kickstarter for it. You know, they'll probably do yeah. some nice things to get at least. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of other board game news, I don't think there is much. Um, no. That. Uh, oh, I feel like there's something I'm missing. Uh, that Splendor expansion's out next week. Oh, really? Yeah, it's out 25th. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, we'll actually probably record our podcast before then, but it's yeah. <laughs> it's out on the twenty fifth. Um, so you should probably go pre-order that. 
Yeah, that is def- that's definitely a, a milestone for me. Yeah. And then that uh, Between Two Cities expansion is due soon as well, isn't it? Uh, that's been out for about two weeks now. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm thinking <laughs> of uh, other shit. No, you're right. Between Two Cities expansion is out. Uh, but yeah, Splendor expansion. Yay! Yay! Uh, yeah, no other board game news. There's stuff coming cool. out. But, yeah. yeah. Well, the, um, as we're recording this, Gen Con, like we said, is uh, starting, and yeah, so there'll be... News coming out around this. Yeah. So, cool. Um, shall we do some new releases? Yes, let's. Cool. So, uh, looking towards a weekend the 25th of August, uh, we have... Couple of things coming out. Uh, we've got the Escapist Two coming to PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah. I thought that was out already. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's maybe just the, the all the different expansions and flavors that they had of the normal Escapists. Yeah, because then they have like a Walking Dead one or something like that. Yeah, they had a Walking Dead one mm. and all sorts of crossovers. I never, things. I never played the Escapist except that uh, EGS that one time we played. Same. As I was meant to because it looked alright but I never played it yeah um, Uncharted The Lost Legacy comes out August 23rd for PS4 that one looks uh, neat yeah I'm not bursting to buy it though yeah same like I, I liked Uncharted 4 but I kind of also got my fill with Uncharted with Uncharted 4 yeah so I still got um, Tomb Raider to play through as well yeah uh, F1 2017 yeah, uh, I might pick up. yeah uh, PS4, Xbox One and PC that is coming out on Friday the 25th yes uh, we also have uh, this is a starting uh, the end of August as per usual uh, if uh, Formula One comes out that means Madden is coming out as well so Madden NFL 18 for PS4, PC and Xbox One uh, we also have Minecraft Story Mode, the complete adventure. So, for the Switch. Yeah, so that's all the Telltale adventure game stuff set in Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably about as much as you can say that's nice about it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I don't think the Minecraft one did as well. I don't know. As the rest. Okay. I think it probably did alright. I think they announced yeah. the second season for it. Alright, oh, okay. I think it probably did alright. Cool. Uh, we also have... Uh, was this one you were looking for? Uh, looking forward to? Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm Legacy? Uh, not especially, but I might pick it up. Um, I think, if I'm remembering right, that's the collection of all of the uh, Naruto Shippuden Ninja Storm games, which were really good kind of 3D brawler games. Right, and they've kind of just chucked them all on the PS4 at 60 frames second HD graphics, that kind of thing. Um, cool. Which those games were really good. Um, so. Cool. Uh, speaking of collections, we also have uh, Velocity 2X, a Critical Mass Edition. I don't think Can that's you... true, because that seems to be on here every single fucking week. That's true, actually. Yeah. There's no Velocity 2X every week. <laughs> well, this is the critical mess. That's it. We've had enough. <laughs> that game's okay. Yeah. Um, and then, apart from that, uh, 
final one that I've got here is White Day, a labyrinth named school. Um, that is quite an old uh, survival horror game made in Korea. Oh, right. Is has like a really strong kind of cult following, um, and it's getting like a kind of remake. I don't think it's even much of a remake. I think they just bumped the graphics up to HD and they're making it a bit more available by putting it on PS4. Right. Uh, friend of the show Nathan is quite excited about that one, I believe. Uh, that's the only reason I've looked up any of it because he mentioned it to me and I was like, I've never heard of this game. And he was like, how have you not heard of White Day? And I was like, why would I have heard of a game called White Day that's some weird fucking Korean horror game? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, but apparently it's pretty decent. I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting. Cool. Yeah. Next week, the week after is when games really start coming out. Yes, yeah. Um... Good shit starting to come out then. But uh, yeah, that's it for um, new releases. Yeah. So, have we forgotten anything? Is there anything you can think of? All right, let's open up Kickstarter. Oh, God, right. There is. (laughs) Uh, I played, speaking of Kickstarter, I played another Kickstarter game that I picked up for 10 quid. I think i already spoke about it on the podcast uh, loop uh, i think i did i think so i don't know yeah i think yeah it was the time travel oh was, yeah 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 time travel game yeah yeah we did yes that's yeah. um that's it you you missed the podcast for a week or two and then you you forget completely what you spoke about on I always it do that. and then i also just play like five minutes of tons of games so i come back and the google doc has like 30 games on it under my name and it's like well I played one match of Starcraft and then I played uh, two minutes of Persona 5 and <laughs> it's been years weird yeah I think that's us cool there's some good stuff I... on Kickstarter just now no there isn't uh, arranged the arranged marriage board game what it, it genuinely looks quite good it's got nice artwork stuff it's where do you find this stuff? That one is was actually like... on Shut Up and Sit Down's uh, news feed, I'm pretty sure. So, <laughs> right. So I've got official uh, backing on that one. Either that or you've been sending stuff to them. And... <laughs> I mean, that's also true. Yeah. I could just be making that up. I can't find the news post now. <laughs> hey, there we go. It's less cool. of a fun time family game than as a way to create discussion about a difficult topic. There you go. See? Uh, I'm just looking for it as well. Yes, I see it. Arranged. The Arranged Marriage Board Game. That's nice artwork. That looks really pretty. Quite bizarre. Yeah. I like that though. I like the idea of using board games as a way to talk about hard subjects. Yeah. Like, um, what was the Underground Railroad game? That... Oh, Freedom. Freedom, which people were like, this is really good, but also, Jesus Christ, this is dark. Yeah. Yeah. But, cool. So, if in that case, if we've covered everything, the only thing left to do is thank everyone for listening to our drivel. If you want to send us an email, you can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can follow us on Facebook. Just search for Glitch Free Gaming, and we've got a, 
a little Facebook page and it will tell you when the podcast's out and it will tell you when we've put new things out on the website. And of course, you can go to the website www.glitchfreegaming.com and uh, you can see all our shenanigans and printed stuff that our uh, super editor-in-chief Ben has been busy with there as well. Yeah. So he recently put up a review of Lobotomy. That was the game that I spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and Ben didn't hate it as much as me. Um, <laughs> you should so write like, can... a counter-review and be like, no, it's shit. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, my Endless Space 2 review is still up, so you know no one's removed that yet. So, no, yeah. no. I did get comments complaining. Respond to that guy. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some stuff on the website. I'm. I'm still working on a video. It takes a lot of time oh. to make videos. As it turns out. It does. Yeah. It turns out you start editing a video and you record all the audio for it after you've written like a script thing for it and you go through it and you go, oh, this is great, and you start editing and then you realize that you're like seven minutes short on gameplay footage to fill up the space and you're like oh fuck okay <laughs> <laughs> and you go and start like, I, I've got to the point where I literally have all of the audio and I've, I'm making a video that has four games in it and I have roughly two minutes too little gameplay footage for every game and it's like god damn it how did I fuck this <laughs> up um <laughs> Yeah, so I need to play more games importantly and record them and not just play them. Cool. Yeah. That's my All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Uh, video games are good. So, board games. Uh, Buy yeah, them all. I agree. We should play more board games. Yes. Goodbye. See ya.